I can't do that. I can't like I can't have caffeine like first thing in the morning. It would literally just fuck my entire day up. You think so? Every time I have caffeine, like as soon as I wake up, I, I my day is awful. Aren't you like constantly chugging sodas though? Like, don't you have like a fucking twenty four pack of like orange vanilla Coke in your fridge right now? Yes, but I wait until <laughs> I like. I can't like, and I can't. That's another thing. I can't drink carbonated drinks in the morning. I can't. It, it'll literally make my stomach upset, and I can't do it. Really? Yeah, I can't that's do weird. it. I drink in Arizona every morning, and that's how I start my day. Uh, well, hang on, what flavor? Um, honestly, there's not really a flavor that I don't like. Really? Yeah. Um, I think the fruit punch is pretty fucking lackluster compared to all the other ones. Uh, I'm not a fan of grape just because I don't like grape flavored things. So, I mean, it's okay. I'll drink it if I have to, but I'm not crazy about it. The strawberry kiwi is the best fucking flavor, hands down. Mm. That shit gets my dick rock hard. Oh, oh my. I love strawberry uh, kiwi. So good. I am, I'm not a big fan of just the, the regular, what is it, green tea, I think is the That's the one original. I like. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It I just like tastes it. Like I'm not crazy green tea about it. To me. Like I'm, I'm just like, eh, there's nothing special about. And I, I actually don't like. I get. I lied. I actually don't like the Arnold Palmers. Oh, what? I just don't like Arnold Palmers in general. You're an insane person. I don't like lemonade. What is wrong with you? I just when don't life like. Gives it. you lemons. What do you do with them, Austin? <laughs> I shove them up my ass. Oh God! That's how I make my family's lemonade. I just shove the lemons up my ass and squeeze the juice out. <laughs> oh, ass lemonade! Title? That's yeah. There we go. Title? <laughs> ass lemonade. Uh, all right. Well, let's get this show on the road. <sighs> Welcome, you are listening to Hunting Pixels, the one and only official video game podcast of Culture Bop. We have quite a show for you today. We are going to be talking a lot about one of our favorite video game genres. Uh, we're also going to touch on some things that we have done throughout the week uh, with, mm, with Austin, as always, talking about anime. It's almost like it's the only thing that he does outside of this podcast. It really is. I think you play video games, man. I think you just watch anime and then come in and like pretend that you're. Dude, I I thought about it today and I was like, damn, like I actually I played six games. I started six different games in the last week. Oh, did you finish? Uh, none because they're all really long JRPGs. So none. That's that's exactly <laughs> where I was headed. I actually finished two games this week. Look at you. Uh, yeah. I'm not even close. I actually think I'm close to being done with Arkham Knight. I'm pretty. Sh- if I remember correctly, I'm almost at the end. Okay. So. Well, uh, so we've got some media to talk about. We're also going to talk about the games that we've been playing. I am, of course, your host, the one, the only Bebop Man, Josh. Mick Mullen, 
And I am joined today by Dylan of Rivia, Martin. Oh, great. <laughs> and Austin, <laughs> New Vegas Stevens. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Can you guys tell that I just came up with those just now? Yeah. Literally all the <laughs> Be in the outline, quite honestly. Uh, um, he said, well, fuck, I don't know what to say. Fuck. Uh, fuck. <laughs> that, I mean, that's, that's basically how my entire day was because, all right, hang on. Whew. Have I told you guys about uh, the house situation yet? Um, I've heard about it from Madison, but not from you. Okay. So basically the gist of it is, is we've been in the process of buying a house for like three months at this point, either, you know, looking for one, whatever. We had finally found the one. It was in Hushton. We thought it was going to be great. And the guy who is the agent selling the house over there, because it's a new community, is just a fucking jackass who is never, like, never communicating. He's a piece of shit. I kind of want to just, like, uh, like not do anything mean because terms of service. Um, <laughs> I really thought you were going to slip up there. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I thought you were but, just going to keep going. Right. But he's an asshole, and fuck him. Uh, Flip Fenno, if you're if your old ass is watching this, fuck you. Um, or if you're listening to the podcast, fuck you. <laughs> so anyway, the the, the point is is uh, so we've started looking around for other houses, and it is basically taking up all of my free time. Uh, yeah, like I don't as it would, as it would, yeah, and um. Yesterday, after I was supposed to get off work and everything, I had to drive to Buford to look at another house, which is why the outline was done today, because, you know, adulting, it's, it's real tough, guys. It's real tough. It is. I want to go back to being a child. Mm. Yeah. yeah spe- speaking of, of which, uh, that's basically where the, uh, the whole idea for this topic came from, right? Yeah. We all played uh RPGs as children. Oh. Dylan, you're looking still dude confused. <laughs> yeah, why are you confused? Why are you always confused in here? Uh it, probably because we're always saying stupid shit. I feel like uh, I feel like we come in here and me and you are just like wild and wacky and Dylan's over there like Yep. 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 This, this is who I choose to surround myself with. This is it. Constantly questioning his decisions. Great yeah. choices. Great choices. 29 years, man. 29 years, and I'm still questioning what I do. But I've never questioned playing RPGs. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Good Look man. Good man. Look at that, Look at that transition. Ooh, okay. shit. Unfortunately, we can't talk about that yet because we have to talk about what we've been doing. But, you know, the transition was there. <laughs> Uh, so I'm just going to touch on this real quick, uh, because I don't have the full grasp of these things yet, but, uh, I've been watching made for love and happy endings and I like both those shows a lot. Um, I will have more to say about them. In, oh, that's uh, two. I thought that was one show. Oh no, no. It's, um, made for love is a new HBO show. Uh, just debuted like three weeks ago, I think. Uh, and happy endings is a show that, uh, was like. 2011 ish um and then uh it got canceled after three seasons which is unfortunate it was a good show uh but we're, i'm i'm rewatching that but i don't have anything to Ooh. say about them uh just yet so word in the coming weeks uh but austin great 
It says that you're planning your first family vacation in here. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that last. Oh, then why put okay. it fucking first? <laughs> because Josh never usually goes in order anyway, so what does it matter? Uh, you're, I mean... Cons- it doesn't matter anymore. Cons- consistency. <laughs> so anyway... We were just talking about this, Austin. Yeah, fuck me, right? I mean, <laughs> you want to. Um, but yeah... You're not I, my uh, type. I, I can't say I'm upset. Bringing it back, baby. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, uh, uh, started watching Zeta Gundam the other day and don't really have a whole lot to say about it because all Gundams are kind of the same. How uh, do you just keep finding new Gundam? Because there's so fucking many. It's been on for 40 years. <laughs> 42 years. There's so fucking many. Um, it's so uh, weird that it's older than both Josh and I. Yeah, it's it a very pretty. old franchise. Um, but, uh, Zeta Gundam came out in like 84. I think so it's pretty hard to watch because the animation's dated but as far as story content goes um, I think that Zeta Gundam is the epitome of how anime sequels should be Uh, I think it takes everything that was great about the original and literally amps it to 10 and makes it better Uh, it's super fucking dark I think the only complaint I have about the show is it's you know came out in 82 so it's very dated and the show is kind of painfully and blatantly fucking sexist which was odd oh good it was an Uh, odd choice masterpiece of the time period uh, yeah I was about to say 82 I don't know what you expected yeah I don't know what I expected either Um, but aside from you know that uh, Zeta Gundam is actually really fucking good and I can't believe that I, you know, I've been a fan of the franchise all these years and there are still uh, shows in the original timeline that I have yet to actually sit down and watch because they're so fucking old. But so uh, when I know that you've said this before, uh, it probably multiple times, but uh, probably. You, you talk about the uh, the universal century yeah. timeline. Uh, and then I see that this is set in. Uh, oh, no, this is set in the Universal Century timeline as well. Okay. Mm. Um, I thought I saw something earlier that was different. Uh, what? But, okay. Uh, yep. No, I, I just thought I saw, like, a different timeline for when it was. But, no. So where does where does this sit in the Universal Century timeline's, like, uh, chronology? Like, is it near the beginning um, or? It takes, I mean, it takes place, uh, I think it takes place, like, seven years or so after the original Gundam. Um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm look it up real quick. So after um, after the Mobile Suit Gundam, yes. Yeah, um, okay, I see that now. It's direct sequel to Mobile Suit Gundam. Okay, I see. yeah. And then uh, the stuff that comes before it is obviously like a like Eighth MS Team and Double O Eighty mm-hmm. War in the Pocket and Double O Eighty Three Stardust Memory is actually technically a prequel to Zeta. It actually leads directly into Zeta. Mm, okay. So. So not seven years. Where the fuck did I get seven years from? Like four or five. Uh, maybe this one says seven years after the end of one year war. Oh, okay. So maybe I was fucking right. I was so. I don't know. I opened up the timeline and I saw more than like eleven lines, and I just dipped out. <laughs> <laughs> what the? That's fuck? super yeah, fair. Mobile um, Gundam is fucking crazy with the amount of uh, just lore. Has. It has so much fucking, and it's like they keep going back and just adding to it and adding to it and adding, like, um, uh, like 2015, we got Gundam Thunderbolt, which takes place at, at the same fucking time as the original Gundam series. 
chronologically, it happens at the exact same fucking time. It's like I want to ask questions about it, but I really don't want to talk about it. Does that make sense? I feel that. Okay. Uh, I had a buddy come over the other day, and he was like, yeah. Um, (laughs) He was like, I know you'd be the person to ask about it. And he was like, I kind of want to get into Gundam. Like, where do I need to start? And I was like, well, give me a couple of days, and I'll type up something for you. Give me a little while. Okay. And I'll figure it out, even though you can Google it and get a result in like two seconds. But okay. I think a lot the of the that results I got was intimidating. I backed away. They are. I really don't want to fucking delve <laughs> into that. It can be uh, for sure. Like, um, uh, like he was telling me he uh, he opened up Hulu the other day and like saw Gundam Unicorn on Hulu. And he was like, I, I almost started watching it, but I didn't know if that was the right place to start. And I was like, there were unicorns. I was like, my man, you need nine series worth of information before you start that. Yeah, I, I don't know if there is a uh, quote-unquote correct place to start with this fucking franchise. There's just so much shit. The The oh. correct place would be Gundam Origin from 2015. That would be the correct place to start now. Oh, great. So in a in a 40-year franchise, we start recently. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, prequel, Dylan. Man. Uh, like, yeah, I'm not done shit, dude. Like all week, I've played a couple of games a few times and I watched a few things on the side, but I've just been working the whole th- fucking week, man. Mm-hmm. And I sat at the DMV for five hours a day, so that was cool. Tell me about that. That sounds okay. interesting. So the cool thing about the DMV is that... Get him on a soapbox real quick. In 2021, racial tensions are at a high. War oh, is around God. every Where corner. The fuck is this going? Bigotry... As far as the eye can see, people differ, including on this podcast, very much so. Um, (laughs) And then you get to the DMV and it's probably the most miserable place you could be on earth. It really, but then you look around and people of all different races and sexes and creeds, they're all miserable with you. So it's like a bonding (laughs) moment. It's pretty fantastic. Uh, fuck that place. That's how to explain it. You also went to the one in Gainesville, too. So Hey, I got to see airplanes. There was an airport there. That was neat. That's cool, I guess. I was begging for more. I was like, one every two and a half hours is not enough. <laughs> the uh, the airport by the Lawrenceville DMV has a Nazi, uh, a World War II Nazi uh, fighter plane. They just have it oh, sitting shit. there sometimes. They don't even like hide it. They just have it chilling there sometimes. It's like a prop, I think. No, like somebody who somebody rents a hangar there and they like actually own it. No, I don't know how the fuck they got it. Um, my stepdad is actually friends with the dude who owns it, and uh, sometimes he just has it sitting out there just to stir shit, and it's kind of you fucking. You know, a weird. lot of people. I do. How many people you know? I do. Madison gets very mad about it. Yep. I, but I, it's I always just like random it. people. I feel like like yeah. Just, this motherfucker knows someone with a Nazi airplane. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I don't know him. I've never met him. It's like someone's going to come to me one day and it's going to be like, hey, I need help with this really stupid X problem that you have no way of knowing anything about. Can you help me? I'm going to be like, yeah, let me call Austin. He knows someone. (laughs) Absolutely. That's super fair. Uh, Well, Austin, tell me about that that family vacation of yours and then to our topic. Uh, We, Madison and I, are planning our very first uh, family vacation. It's not our first vacation to get. Honestly, it kind of is because I don't count any of the other vacations we've ever fucking taken. So it kind of is our first real vacation. Why? Why, yeah, what, why would you not? 
Huh? Why would you not count the first vacation? Yeah. Yeah, that's that. so. Our, our the very first vacation me and Madison ever took together technically was Blue Ridge when she was pregnant with Josie. Don't consider that a vacation because I was around her uh, <clears throat> super awesome, lovely, and wonderful family for f- like three straight fucking days and could not get away. So I don't count it because I was miserable ninety percent of the fucking time. Um, we went to Nashville a couple years after that. That was our first like real vacation together but we went with friends and one of the guys we went with had a fucked up knee and he was like oh like i can't do it i can't walk around the city anymore and i felt like a dick i was like i don't want to just leave you in a hotel room so we ended up staying in a hotel room for like two fucking days just drinking and doing other things and fucking and i was like i can do all this shit at home like why the fuck did i just pay so much money for a fucking hotel when i could have just done this shit at home if he really cared about you guys he would have gotten a wheelchair that's what i'm saying bro like it's not my problem. Crawl if you have to. I'm here to have a good fucking time. Yeah, or just leave his ass in the hotel. It's not your fault. Yeah, I, I couldn't bring myself to be that much of a dick, though. Like, And I know it wouldn't wouldn't have even made me a dick. I mean, yeah, it's like perspective, right? Like, he's technically the dick making you miss your vacation. So, Honestly. you cripple. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we went to Chicago a uh, couple, well, like, uh, actually later that year. Um, that was tight, I guess, but like, I, I was there for like a total of 48 hours. Is this hours. where you guys talk about like some fucking sandwich shop on the corner of Chicago? <laughs> oh, no. Learn about Shine Town again. No. Portillo's. We're not talking shit. about Shine Yeah, Portillo's. There it is. Um, and then, of course, the last time we went to Chicago last year, it was for a wedding, and Madison was doing wedding stuff, and I literally was not around her the entire duration of the fucking trip. So I was like, this is just I, – I literally sat in a hotel room for 90% of the time I was there. Seems like that's most of your vacation. Yeah, and it sucks, and I'm not doing that shit this time. Um, Don't do it. We, we rented an Airbnb for a week and a half in Tampa. Uh, I don't know if Tampa is a nice place or not. Uh, the only part of Florida I've ever been to is Pensacola, which is not that nice. You have never been to Disney World? No. No, I have not. Is this because of your childhood? Yes, probably. Mm. <laughs> I grew up uh, not so great. Poor. So I, I actually... <laughs> That's going to sound so fucked up to the people who don't know, like, <laughs> podcast back. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I don't... Fucking murdered you, Austin. Yeah, I, I have no, I have no comeback. You on live television. because it's true. So like, I have oh, nothing. That was just a callback. To the <laughs> I have nothing to say to that. Nothing. Oh, it's true. I went into I this that. podcast saying I'm going to be nice to him, but he just set me up nope. too well, dude. Nope, nope, oh. nope. Yep, my mom worked three jobs when I was a kid. I was very poor. Stop. <laughs> very much so poor. I think you broke Dylan. <laughs> I might have. That made it so much worse. I might have. <sighs> yep, she did. Work three jobs, never saw her, really, until I was like 12. Oh, God. She was always she working. any better. I was not well off either. That's why I can joke about it. Yeah. Oh, uh, fuck. I had an Xbox, though, so that was cool, I guess. What? 
I said it. I had, I had an Xbox though, so that was cool. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, that is good. That my best friend's parents bought me. Because that's no one so else cool could. though. Yeah, I mean, I, I literally, I think third, fourth, and fifth grade, all of my Christmases were actually bought by my buddy Caleb's parents. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh, so you and Caleb go way back? Okay. Oh yeah, I'm literally like out the womb. Like our our friends were parents before we were even conceived. Uh, or our our, our parents were our parents were friends before we were conceived. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to Tampa. It's gonna be super rad. Got a super cool deal on an Airbnb. Uh, I think it's like I think it ended up being like fifty five dollars a night. So mm. that, and it's like this. That's not like, bad. No, it's not. And it's like a it, it's like a vintage. It's all four. Camper. Huh? It fits all four of you guys. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. So that'll that'll be really cool. Um. She's got the whole vacation planned out. I didn't really want any input. Didn't re- don't really fucking care what we do as long as I get to eat good food. <laughs> don't really fucking care. Uh, apparently, we're going. She bought tickets for us to go to Bush World, so that's fucking cool. I didn't even know that that place existed until like two weeks ago. What is that? Uh, I think it's like a botanical garden type thing, right? It's a theme park and a zoo. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, she bought a ticket for fifty dollars. She bought like an extra ticket. Uh, for fifty dollars for me to play with a sloth for an hour and a half. Oh hell yeah! That's I get to just hug all over and play with a sloth. Dude. So that's you fucking play with a sloth. She did. That's... She did book a dolphin ride trip, which I'm terrified of. So I'm gonna have to. You're going to right ride here. a fucking dolphin? No, pretty... I'm gonna be on a boat with a bunch of dolphins. Oh, around I me. thought you can like swim and like hold on to it, and you can like <clears throat> go. With it. Maybe I don't know. I know they let you. They put gear on you. They let you get in the water. They let you like pet them and like like come up to you. And I'm really cool I'm shit. I'm really scared about that. I'm terrified. Oh, mine. So cool to me might not be cool to you because I'm scared of dolphins. Oh, but at least you know you'll be probably safe. Maybe and until one of them wants to fucking grab a hold of me. I'm gonna bottle nose you right in your ribs just. <laughs> that hurts so fucking bad, dude. What if Austin dies on his trip and just from because the, a dolphin kills him? <laughs> dude, it's like the twenty twenty one Steve Irwin. That's oh, oh my god. Except it won't be a stingray; it'll be a fucking dolphin, <laughs> dude. That's what that's what gets me. Like everybody thinks dolphins are these like majestic, beautiful, like loving creatures. No, they're fucking monsters, dude. Dolphins? Yes. No. I mean. Dolphins are actual fucking monsters. Dolphins, if a, if a male dolphin is in heat and it finds a female dolphin that it's trying to do dolphin stuff with, it will, and, and, and if, if it sees the female dolphin already has kids, it will then kill the fucking kids in front of the mother. The next time that's a that I want Establishing to dominance with literally anything, I'm going to call it having dolphin time. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Twitch is okay with the with the with the big sex. So I don't know. Dolphin oh, murder. I had it on my stream the other day in Cyberpunk. It was pretty great. So you know. Oh, okay. Sex? So, uh, you can fuck a dolphin in Cyberpunk. He's like maybe. I meant just normal, <laughs> straight up sex. I I'm, I'm I'm sure someone will mod that game for you to fuck a dolphin eventually. Give it time. Somebody will do it. I guess that's when I'll. They would have to cyber fix their fucking swimming mechanics first. <laughs> Are they bad? I don't know. I wouldn't know. Yes, I mean, look, no, it's not bad, but there's some issues. Okay, um, nope. I'll talk about this later. I'll go okay. on forever. All right. about this. It's a uh, good game, but it has some fucking problems. Yeah. Dolphin sex or lack thereof being a problem. 
But uh, uh, before we move on, I am super stoked because I haven't had an actual, like, real full-on vacation since I was probably in seventh grade when I went to fucking Pensacola. Why did so, you go to Pensacola? I don't know. I don't remember. That was so long ago that I have no fucking clue. I just know me and my moms were there. I feel like Pensacola is the family vacation Crash. you take when someone wants to buy drugs. Pensacola is the kind of family vacation you take when you can't afford a family vacation. Okay. That tr- that's, yeah. I'm sure they have like world's biggest tennis ball or something. And it's like, this is why we're here. No, they don't even have that. Okay, well, I tried. They just have shitty cool. seafood. <laughs> how, like, how are you? How are you a beach? How are you a beach town in Florida, and you have shitty seafood? That doesn't make sense. It is true. It doesn't mm. make any fucking sense. Is Pensacola? Pensacola is a beach town. Uh, uh-huh. Well, I was just going to say that's all seafood in general is just garbage. But we've already talked. I mean, that's wrong, but for the most part, <sighs> some seafood. You don't really. You don't like sushi, right? No, I, I no, I like sushi. I'm okay. just. So what the fuck? It's just a, it's let's just, just call back to like uh, was, was it the first episode or was it the second episode? I don't know something. I think second episode actually because I think I know what you're talking about. But I, you know what I'm super excited to do on the way and coming home from that vacation? Play an RPG. Play some fucking RPGs. Ha <laughs> That's why I wanted to go last. All right, so let's uh, let's go ahead and get to our picks of the week. I don't believe um, you. What? <laughs> It is. I wanted to set it up. I wanted to transition this time. He he wanted to do it. All right. <clears throat> it is absolutely no secret to anyone that listens to this show that we love a good role-playing game. Whether it be Austin's constant gushing over Pokemon, you son of a bitch, uh, a my continued support of Final Fantasy, or even Dylan's consistent love of... I put The Witcher, but I, I feel like you're coming around, and now you're like you're back on the CD Projekt Red dick. Uh, just trying to tell me that I'm a fan of fucking cyberpunk and I'm going to gush about it later in the podcast. Is that what you're trying to say? I think that's where it was going. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Oh no. Uh, so it's, it's very clear that we care. Oh yeah. I, it's still buggy as shit, right? I don't think that game's ever not going to be bugged. Uh, but yeah, it's very clear that we care a lot about the genre, right? One thing we have yet to do on this show is deep dive into why that is. Why do we love the genre? What makes it so special? What even makes a good RPG a good RPG? Well, strap in, folks, because that's what we plan to discuss for you today. Uh, so, right here, what I've got written down, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay this, I'm use this to lay the groundwork, right? All right. So, okay. what is an RPG? Right. The technical definition. Oh uh, well, it, I thought not, that was a question. Not necessarily a video game, uh, because you know you've got like D and D and Warhammer and shit like that. Those are technically role playing games. Yeah, that is true. They're tabletop, oh, but water. Okay. yeah, yeah drink, tabletop RPG is different. Yeah. Than, I've never played D and D. It's also well, you know uh, I don't think I've necessarily played D and D, but I've played tabletop RPGs. I would love to play D and D. I feel like I would get super fucking into that. It's fucking awesome. It's but, I don't I don't know anybody that is into it, so um I literally just said it's awesome. But Okay. Well, you never asked me to play, so I wouldn't know. Yeah. There's also bedroom you. RPGs. <clears throat> I hate me too. Um I'm <laughs> I'm we're moving on. Listen. <laughs> it's fine. Is it? Is it? 
Because TOS. We just fucked a dolphin 10 minutes ago. (laughs) What did we say that was against TOS there? I don't think it was anything. We we threatened to fuck dolphins, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Back then, yeah, that was not good. Did you threaten? We didn't threaten a dolphin. There's not a dolphin here. I might have alluded that it was something I would like to see, but I can't remember because I feel like both of you gaslighted me into believing that. (laughs) You wonder if anybody's ever actually done it, though? Okay, let, we're n- nope, nope. All right, listen. A role-playing game or an RPG is a genre of video game where the game gamer controls a fictional character or characters that undertake a quest in an imaginary world. That is from Tech Techopedia, and then this one I got from Wikipedia. A video game genre where the player controls the actions of a character or several party members immersed in some well-defined world, usually involving some sort of character development by way of recording statistics. Uh, So, first thing I want to ask you guys is, are these definitions accurate? Because uh, my first instinct is definitely no, they are not. Um, but, uh, but please, please go ahead and, uh, enlighten me as your, your thoughts on those. I think the Wikipedia one was like, I, I don't, I don't think the Wikipedia definition was, I don't think it was inaccurate, but I think it was very vague. I think it was a very like bland description that doesn't really help separate what an RPG is from other genres. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's very broad. Yeah. Yeah. That might have been the better uh, word. And even the first one from Techopedia, which I did not even know was a thing. Got it, neither. Um, Thanks for enlightening. It's a genre of video game where the gamer controls a fictional character or characters that undertakes a quest in an imaginary world. That's that's a stupid broad that doesn't even cover what Yeah, yeah like not even, not even close. So, the the reason that I brought this up was for two reasons. One, it was to, to prove a point to, uh, to Jeff Lewis, uh, if you're listening, Jeff. See, I was right, motherfucker. I was right. Who the fuck is Jeff? <laughs> Doesn't matter. He was a fucking idiot. That's all that matters right now. <laughs> oh, uh, so so technically, and probably poor. <laughs> Dylan just likes offending everybody, and they end up hopping into the Discord and talking shit about it. It's, it's that's awesome. why I don't I talk. I'm scared of the repercussions that I. <laughs> <laughs> he said that's why I have the discord on silent. Uh so I I think in in broad senses these these terms are or these definitions are correct. But yeah, for sure. This leads to things like The Last of Us or even Mario being considered an RPG. Ew. I mean I I and and maybe maybe we need to talk should these be considered RPGs? No. I don't think so. Um but there we go. First burp of the show. Gee, every episode. Every episode. Actually, I've been pretty nice. I'm, we're getting sidetracked. Listen. Yep. All right. Yeah, it's, it's too easy tonight. Why is it happening so easily? I don't know. But was uh, that also us getting sidetracked? So, what do we mean then? What What exactly, if this definition isn't correct, what do we mean? And I have uh, written here that there is a more albeit colloquial definition, but it's, it's definitely more widely accepted. Uh, but before I go into this, I want to get what you guys, like, what are your, if, if you guys had to define it in like, maybe like a paragraph, 
what would you guys say definitions are? This would have been great to know a week ago, so I could have defined it in a paragraph. <laughs> Not asking me on the spot. That's how I roll, buddy. Uh, can I just copy and paste a video game real quick? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a <laughs> my definition is The Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works. Uh, the Witcher is a great example of it, but I don't know. It's a game that you invest time into mm-hmm. um, through statistics. It's not one of the short games like a lot of times that you'll see nowadays. Of like Resident Evil Seven, I know it's not an RPG, but like look at how long it takes to beat that game, right? But then you look at an RPG, and this is something that you're investing dozens upon dozens if not hundreds of hours into um, oh yeah mm-hmm. for sure it is very much a character builder um and the worlds are generally expansive and immersive um i can't think of an rpg that i love that i that's not either of those two things mm-hmm. um it has layers to it it's not just a this is your mission this is what you set out to do kind of game there's layers there's depth there's lore um I don't have a straight definition for it because I feel like RPGs are so broad in what they offer. It's hard for me to define it first off on the spot. And then second, just in general, Mm. um, it's something that will steal your heart. And if it's good enough, leave a lasting impression. Yep. For sure. What do you think? Austin? Do you you have, do you have a paragraph to to give me? No, I have like your homework. <laughs> okay. Yeah, ask my GED how well that shit works. <laughs> um poor and with a GED, just checking all the marks. Hey, I'm I have a stereotype. Too, so you know. <clears throat> but oh, you I were also you, poor. You and I not that different. I make my jokes, but it's really just projecting onto you my insecurities. <laughs> we're both just walking stereotypes, aren't we? Yes. Um, but no, like an RPG for me is like like I, when I play an RPG, I feel like I am in total control of what's happening. Like mm. uh, I'm like uh, I'm trying to come up with. I had such a good way to say this, and I fucking lost every <laughs> goddamn bit of it. I'm not gonna front. Um, but uh, an RPG to me is something where like I feel like I'm in total uh, like control of the character and like what they do throughout their time. Like, uh, uh, one of my best, one of my favorite fucking examples, honestly, is, is a game like persona five. Um, you're not in total control as far as like creating the character and like how the character looks. I mean, you can change, you, you know, you can change, uh, Ren's outfit, but like, I mean, you can name him whatever you want, but that's pretty much as far as that aspect goes. But like you are in total control of his day to day life. Like, you do laundry and you go on dates and you go to a bathhouse and you go to batting cages. But every single one of those activities that you do that, you know, you would think is more or less not important are actually pretty fucking significant and, and, you know, give you rewards like stat buffs and stat bonuses and shit like that. And like, to me like that, like that is the epitome of, of an RPG. I, I, I think I said that mostly correct. Did. I wanted I to know. sit in silence and watch you judge yourself. Well, Josh, what do you think? Uh, so, um, I think that, uh, for me, RPGs tend to be long, mm-hmm. uh, story driven experiences with a very expansive cast of characters that all have very well defined traits. Yeah. And throughout the game, you, 
will grow these characters through the narrative experience, but also through progression with statistics and stuff like that. Uh, that that's really, I think, my general definition, uh, and, and even that is a little is a little more broad than I would like. But I I wrote this down because I think that this is this definitely helps with defining it more uh, more down to a point. And it was that that first. Techopedia definition with the added caveats of uh, one, the ability to improve your character over the course of the game by increasing his or her statistics or levels. A menu-based combat system with several choices of skills, spells, and active powers, as well as an active inventory system with wearable equipment such as armor and weapons. Uh, a central quest that runs through the game as a storyline and additional and usually optional side quest. The ability to interact with the elements of the environment or storyline through additional abilities, i.e. lockpicking, disarming traps, communication skills, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and the existence of certain character classes that define the characteristic skills, abilities, and spells of a character, i.e. a wizard, thief, warrior, you know, whatever. Um, and I, I thought that those additional caveats actually make the Techopedia definition like a lot more defined. And that right. that to me is usually what I think of when I think of RPG mm-hmm. is, is a game with those sort of caveats. Um, that said, there is another way that we need to define before we move forward. RPGs, and that is through Western versus Eastern. Um, I am a big fan of JRPGs, uh, specifically the 90s JRPGs. Um, So I I want to lay it out like this, Uh, and and then I'll let you take the next one. Uh, I'm going to flip a coin. I'm going to say we're going to go with... Oh, I actually have a coin. I was going to pretend to flip a coin. Don't do me. Dylan's smarter than me, and I like to piggyback off of his responses. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's literally right there in the outline. I know. You, you don't even... Do you not know how to read? Did you go to public no, school, I too? Yeah, there I did. Is. There it is, guys. Nailed it! All right. Uh, anyway, so JRPGs are Eastern Four. RPGs, and uh, and very good examples of these are Final <laughs> Fantasy, Persona, The Legend of Heroes, that those sort of uh, franchises. Yeah. Um... And their characteristics tend to be team-based. So you'll have a cast of characters that you will build a team around. Uh, Pokemon, I guess, is another example of this, but to a lesser extent, because I feel like you play as one person assembling a team as opposed to a team of people. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, they also tend to uh, have a turn-based battle system. Uh, I mean, that's not always the case. Obviously, some of the Tales games, like Tales of Berseria, uh, is a more action-oriented and active combat system. Yeah. Uh, they're also, in my experience, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but in my experiences, they are way more colorful than Western RPGs, and they also tend to be a lot more cartoony and, and possibly anime-inspired. I would agree with that. Uh, and they tend to have a more linear narrative with less branching paths and uh, less side quests usually as well. Um, but that's how I would define sort of Eastern RPGs. Dylan, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think about Western? 
So Western's obviously where I prefer to spend most of my time outside mm-hmm. of Pokemon. And they're the complete opposite of JRPGs in pretty much every single way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of games like Elder Scrolls and The Witcher 3, um, and they do have that single-player um, protagonist. And it's generally you by yourself but some games you can choose to have a companion at certain times sometimes they give you companions um but it's never it's mostly it's just you it's your story it's what do you want to do it's open-ended really it's you're choosing your own path type of thing and the combat is not necessarily um turn-based like you were saying it's really and it's like you're in an open field you know you're choosing the battle um you choose how to approach the battles type of thing it's really open-ended in terms of combat which is why i love it it's more it's more fast and dynamic to me Mm. um and there is a sense of realism and grittiness i like that you put that in there because it's it gets right down to it i mean they're with the jrpgs they are more colorful and vibrant but you know when you get to the western rpgs like skyrim or um the witcher 3 they're very grounded and you can you can tell that you that's how that's where my sense of immersion comes from mm-hmm. is the grittiness of the worlds that are generally portrayed the ones that you're actually living in and that just goes completely well with the overall open nature of the games too it's like you're never you have a main quest line that you're going for but you also have tons and tons of different side quests and then on top of that you have places that you can explore and discover and see what's in there and like try to find all the different treasures that are in the game oftentimes they'll have some kind of collectible um well you know, not necessarily with Skyrim and stuff like that, but there are collectibles in a lot of these games as well. Um, I feel like actually that might be more lean towards JRPGs now that I think about it. Because when I think of JRPGs, you know, I, I think of like the chests or in Pokemon, the Pokeballs that you can find, stuff like that. So maybe that is more JRPG oriented. Mm-hmm. But there's a ton of stuff to do inside of the Western RPGs, and it's really do it at your own pace on a gigantic scale. And that's what makes them so fun to me. Yeah. Yeah, good, good, uh, good deal. Okay, uh, piggyback. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm here. Um, yeah, you were texting. Yeah, yeah I was, at uh, work. God, actually, God damn, I was researching for the episode. Thank you. Oh, uh, right, yeah. because oh, I don't play Western RPGs. Uh, he doesn't. I don't think he plays any RPG. Honestly, like we said before, I think he just watches anime. <laughs> uh, that's crazy because uh, I'm pretty sure my favorite game of all time is considered a Western RPG. So. Zelda? Fuck you. Um, but yeah, and that I, I'm in a weird. <laughs> Is it position. Zelda? Yeah. <laughs> because while I prefer JRPGs more, uh, my favorite game of all time is a Western RPG. That I, I mean, it's my favorite game of all time. So I, I don't, I don't. And I, they're they're so to me they're like a night and day difference. They're they're so fucking unique from each other. Um, like like in Fallout, like Fallout is very, I mean it it's kind of linear, but it it's also kind of not. You kind of just do whatever the fuck you want until you eventually get to what you're supposed to do. So is your favorite game New Vegas or Breath of the Wild? New Vegas. Okay, I just needed to. I thought it was Breath of the Wild. Okay, no, go ahead. No. Breath of the Wild is up there. I think. I think in episode one, it was like my number three or number four spot. One of the two. 
Um, but no, it is definitely fucking New Vegas for so many different fucking reasons that I don't have time for. Um, but I see, and now, now I lost my train of thought because you interrupted me. Thank you. That's what I do. It was a way to get us moving faster. Sorry. Is that what, is that what it does? No, no. Now we have to talk about it. (laughs) Yep. And here we fucking are. And here's me trying to waste time, trying to come up with uh, a coherent thought. So, um, just going to pass it off to Josh. So what makes a good RPG? Oh, okay. So we're doing that now. Yeah, okay. we're doing that. I'm the host. I am the host. <laughs> well, stop texting. Oh, I, I actually was not texting. Thank you very much. You I was doing actually... something other than this. Oh, okay. Okay. Listen. <laughs> That's you. My balls. I wish you um, would have just jumped into what makes a good RPG because that would have been hilarious. Your comedic timing needs a little work, but we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> See if you would stop messing around with the, uh, yeah, the I outline fucked up there. Your document. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I fucked your document so hard. Uh, I don't know where one of your sentences went. Uh, God damn it. Yep. Did it? Did, it, did that backwards? Up. Oh God damn it! Can you just undo it? On your on your thing, there should be an undo button. Hey, we fixed there, it. Is this going to be edited out, or are you going to leave this in? No, no that's totally this in. hilarious. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Uh, that was character building for us. Yeah. <laughs> character so, Learned a new skill. Did you just level up in our JRPG? I did level up in our... Oh, God. Are we a harem? Is that what we are? What is... Oh, okay, I wish I'm we not were. Even, nope. All right. Listen. So, obviously, uh, you know, what makes a good RPG is you phrased it because, you know, you're the host now. You, <laughs> you are the captain now. Um, Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the first the first thing that we probably need to talk about is setting, right? Um, what what makes a good setting, or well, what makes a good RPG partially a setting, and uh, we should probably talk about what makes a setting interesting. Um, so I'll I mean I'll I'll send it to you first, Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Damn it. What do you think uh, makes a like when you were playing an RPG? Yeah, right. W- what is something, or wh- what about the setting will be, be immediately the thing that draws you in? That's a real poor question. That's a very vague fucking question, honestly. Um, what about the setting immediately draws me in? Um, well, first of all. Uh, in order for me to be like fully drawn in, like I, because I know that you know there are a lot of RPGs that really don't that kind of just throw you in and they're like, oh, you'll figure out what's going on as you go. Um, I like it when shit is actually explained from the fucking get go, uh, like you know the lore surrounding the adventure that I'm about to go on and uh, how the how this how this uh, world that I'm going to be in for the next hundred plus hours came to be. Um, yeah. That I don't that that was such a vague question that I genuinely don't know how to answer it. Uh, I tried my best. The setting that I look for is generally um, it's driven in like the high fantasy environments. Um, mm-hmm. Those are just the ones that really draw me in. That are, you gravitate towards. There you yeah, go. every time. Um, I'm sure, like even you know, Skyrim is obviously there with the elves and the fucking cat people and the lizards and shit. So that's really high fantasy. But even The Witcher Three kind of draws on that too when you look at it because there are elves in there and there are Dopplers who can change exactly who they are. 
there's dwarves. So it kind of draws on that as well. I mean, the, the witchers themselves, um, that's completely out of high fantasy and the witches and everything that goes on in there. So that's what really draws me into an RPG. Like it's, I would, you can make the argument that it's almost copy and pasted in every game, but it's really not because the genre leaves so much open endedness. Like, yeah, you can have the crazy exotic races, but the story that the RPG takes place inside of that that's what's different every time when the worlds themselves are most of the time they are gritty and grounded like we call, we we talked about but they're also beautiful um and even the darkest places of the witcher 3 and the swamp that's out to murder you you can still find beauty there in the setting just because the game is put on a silver platter in terms of its art design and the world detail so even in those dark and gritty moments it's it's just it does such a good job at drawing you in um, I think I'll probably keep flipping back and forth between Skyrim and The Witcher until I think of another game. Like even the newer Assassin's Creeds, they're doing a good job too. But that's not necessarily high fantasy. That's historical fantasy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what really draws me in. But then on you're on the other side of the spectrum, and would you? I mean, you're going to gravitate towards JRPGs, right? Like that's the. I, I think that I tend to gravitate JRPGs kind of uh, regardless of the setting, um, mm-hmm. but I, I still think that it's important and, and uh, something that uh, I don't want to say that Austin said, like, Austin doesn't like being thrown right in the middle of things. I kind of do because yeah. uh, it gives mm-hmm. me a chance to learn about the world uh, mm-hmm. as I'm playing. But the the thing that I think immediately, like, I have to have is those questions, and that comes from, like, those opening moments having very strong world building. Like, yeah. for instance, I think about the first time I play Final Fantasy VIII, right? And it boots up, and it has this really awesome, like, fight sequence with Squall and Seifer and they're sitting there and they have these blades but like attached to the blades are guns and I'm like oh yo like what is this about yeah. and then it has these like really awesome like uh panning shots of like there's a field with flowers and then there's like at the very very beginning of that cinematic is like this um uh like waves crashing on a beach sort of thing and like I'm sitting there and I'm watching it, and I'm like, so these are different areas that I'm going to be in. This is going to have some sort of, like, weird, uh, maybe, like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the way to word it, but, like, like maybe more action-oriented or futuristic setting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or I go to, you know, Final Fantasy Seven uh, and Final Fantasy Seven. it literally, the game just starts with you panning out from like the ether or whatever, seeing like this girl's face. And then you get a, uh, it just keeps pulling out and pulling out, pulling out, and you get all, all this like sweeping vistas of this gigantic city. And it's like, Oh, okay. So where is this? Like what's going on with whatever it was that she was looking at? Like all of this stuff. And it immediately has me engaged and it's just mm-hmm. the simplest of world building, but it's like, there immediately i have questions about the world i want to learn it's something that it immediately engages me um but the i you asked a 
I think, very important question, Dylan, about like what engages me. And the number one thing I think of, and and I hate to say this because I don't. Was that me? What? That was me. Sorry. Uh, I just had a notification pop up on my computer, and I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, the uh, what, the thing I was saying is uh, it, it, this isn't like a – I don't want to say knock on, on Western RPGs because uh, Western RPGs still do it good, but I gravitate towards JRPGs because I – tend to feel like the characters are more maybe well-defined or maybe not even necessarily well-defined, but like I like the way that characters are written in JRPGs better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe, Uh, but, Mm -hmm. but regardless characters are definitely the thing that draws me in with RPGs, like just period, whether Western or, or JRPG. Um, And if a game doesn't have interesting characters, then I kind of don't want to play it. Why should you care about what's going on around you? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I like, I, I think that if I were playing Final Fantasy VII, uh, and immediately the, the plot is engaging, but like if I didn't give a fuck about what Barrett was saying in the first like hour or so of the game, I probably wouldn't stick with it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, but I get a sense of his motivation and I get a sense of like what's going on with him. I also through those interactions get a sense of what's going on with cloud. Who's the main character or whatever. And so like I gravitate towards the interactions between characters, but uh, I mean, I, I talked a little bit about main characters, uh, I, I, but I mean, what I, Oh, question good job yep. welcome that is great <laughs> um so something that i've discovered recently is that i'm in love with cyberpunk because of the characters within the game mm-hmm. um i think they are written exceptionally well and they give you this sense of presence that i've not really felt in a game before because i'm so connected to what's going on within that world did you guys play enough of it to kind of see that at all uh no kind of i play i i think i got like four hours in before i stopped playing so kind of maybe i didn't even get that far. somewhat I've, I've, so one thing about cyberpunk that I think is interesting from my perspective, from someone who's played it for maybe like hours is I did immediately get a sense of who some of those characters were. Like mm. I knew who Jackie was before that first mission ended. And in the very, very small, like what 10 at most 10 minute scene where you're driving in the car with the guy who gives you the initial job. I got a sense of who his character was. And then when I met, uh, Oh my God, what's her name? Um, the lesbian, uh, who you can romance, Judy. Uh, Judy. Yeah. I immediately got a sense from her of who she was. Like all of these characters immediately gave off an impression, which is something that I think the Witcher does exceptionally well also. Um, but no, to answer your question, no, I, I didn't get far enough. I think to really get a, like a stronger sense of who they are as people. Mm -hmm. It did. 
It just, and really, as the game goes on and you're investing more into your dialogue choices and stuff like that, it just really opens up, man. And by the end of the game, and even now exploring the side quests, it's made me feel some type of way, dude. Mm. I, 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 really, I really need to get back to that game. I, I keep hearing excellent things. Um, so one thing that I wrote down right here is, so obviously every game has like main characters. Okay, so but, he froze up for you, right? <laughs> oh, okay. I was frozen? Yeah, I, I didn't hear a word that you just said. Really? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I love the internet. Isn't it's the great. internet awesome? Is it? It's a pretty fucked up place. Uh, I hate it. Uh, what I was saying, though, is like, so we have the main characters, uh, yeah. and something that I think Dylan was speaking to is is NPCs within <laughs> Cyberpunk and how you immediately get a sense of their their uh, characters and stuff like that. But I, I want to drop this to you, Austin. Yeah. Uh, playable characters. Mm-hmm. like. They still have to have something going on. So, like, what what makes a, a good RPG pl- quote unquote playable character? Like, what make what makes a good protagonist? Pretty much, like, uh, in my, like for me personally. So, I, I don't want to necessarily say. Uh, uh, mm, I mean, I guess so. I get. I guess protagonist. I, mm. I guess what uh, the my my only hang up there is like so in like the old team based Final Fantasies, right? Like, yeah. Uh, you have the main character. You yeah. quote unquote are Cloud. Cloud, but like Tifa is also you're playing as her. And yeah. You're also playing as Barrett. And you're also playing as Aeris and Yuffie and like you, like a support character. Yeah. 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 But yeah. They're, but they're still like. Are like I don't know. Are they pretty? I, I don't fuck. They're, they're main. They're they're main characters, but they're not the main character. Yes, yes, you know what I mean. Okay, so like, what makes a good main character for me? Um, uh, I the best example I have is is an RPG that I actually started playing uh, Sunday night, which was uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Um, oh, dude, it's so fucking good. I could barely put that shit down. I was like, okay, I have to stop playing. I need to play other stuff. Um, but like, I, 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 I like a main, I like a main, I like a main character that has like a lot of, um, uh, uh, fuck. I'm trying to think of the best way to fucking say this. And I'm just losing my shit tonight, dude. I'm just not fucking on it. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I like a lot of, I like a lot of like internal conflict, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a lot of like with a main character and this doesn't really ne- necessarily go, go with Tokyo Mirage sessions. This is for other things in general. Um, I like, I like a lot of internal conflict. I like where you reach points in the story where a main character is really just kind of sitting there like, fuck, like, what do I do now? Like what, what, what can I do? What should I do? What should I not do? Um, and that, that, that's what really draws me into our to RPGs specifically is like given is like being given that choice of where I can take that character and what I can have that character do. Do you feel like you like having that internal conflict because it's kind of reminiscent of our own lives? Like we go through that so often that it's nice to have a character that's relatable. Oh, for sure. And it's not even, and it's not even that sometimes it's, sometimes it's nice to just like make a decision that I know I shouldn't do, but with no real life repercussions. That's yeah. That's a good way to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's, always the renegade in Mass Effect, uh, right? Always. 
Um, but like that, and like that's the fun thing about RPGs is like you know I I I'm building this character how I would want to see myself in this universe, but obviously I'm not gonna anywhere be anywhere near close to that. Um, and I, I I think that's what's cool about a main character. Yeah, I think for me it was uh, it's really similar. It's and I gotta turn it to V from Cyberpunk again. It's I can invest myself through the choices. Like there's a character there, sure, and that character existed before I knew about him in theory type of thing. Like he had a whole story up until the point where I took over. But once I took over, the history was there. But I could build the world from that point with my mm-hmm. dialogue choices. I feel like I could pour myself into the character. Um, you can see pieces of that in The Witcher 3 as well. You, I can, Guild existed. Even if I, and I didn't play The Witcher 1 or 2, I actually only started with 3. The world existed before I was there, but I still felt like the choices that I was making heavily impacted every single aspect of that game. Mm-hmm. So that's what draws me to a main character. No matter what game it's in, mm-hmm. I want to be able to pour myself into it and see the world soak that up and use my choices to build upon the game. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with that. Uh, what, like, uh, so I'll use mass effect as an example in mass effect. You have the renegade and the paragon options. Like you can do that or whatever. And you have a pretty set in stone in stone story with Shepard, but like I never felt like any experience I ever had was necessarily the same exact experience as someone else. So, like for instance, yeah. my Shepard was my Shepard. So even if I played like mostly Paragon, if there were if there were options that uh, like I didn't choose or whatever that was on me. Like if, if like I was 99% Paragon, but then there was like a couple times I was an asshole sort of thing. That's mm-hmm. because I made those decisions. Whereas yeah. other people, because you were an asshole. Yes, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, so uh, another thing is I feel like the ancillary characters have to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, one thing, I'll, I'll throw this to you, uh, Dylan, since you're uh, you, you love to suck the Bethesda dick. Um, is one thing that I feel like they fell at is having ancillary characters that mean something. Uh, so, like for instance, like they have shopkeepers or whatever, but the shopkeepers like all have the same exact personality and. Like don't don't necessarily always Take a look at my wares. Yeah, like that's that's basically it. Uh, is is there a way you think that a good RPG makes ancillary characters uh, memorable or or add to the overall quality of the game? I feel like that's because i mean i i understand what you're saying with in terms of bethesda how they do it and i would agree that a lot of it's copy and pasted but i feel like that the shopkeepers that are there i remember for their personality traits um because a lot of the times you can do quests for them and help them and find out a little more about them so in that sense they're memorable to me um it is hard for me to remember their names 
but I remember the the herbalist <clears throat> in solitude. Like you do a quest for her to find out where it's her family member is. And it's actually, I think it's her daughter, but you find out she's dead and you have to take that back to her and give her the information. I'm pretty sure it was her daughter. I could be wrong, but it impacts her and you can see how it impacts her. And I think that the way that you create these memorable characters is, yeah, define their personalities a little more for sure. Um, because like you said, Bethesda does have the same kind of copy paste basic scenario for the, the innkeep, the shop keeps, whatever. But the way to make them more memorable is to give them more purpose other than, Hey, come buy some stuff. Um, it's really flesh out your characters that are in the game. Let them give me a quest. Even if the quest is to run to the other adjacent town to pick up supplies for their shop, make that interaction memorable. That'll expand your game. That'll let me interact and just get immersed a little more with these characters that are already there. It's like, give them a purpose outside of sell this, pick this up. There's more to a game than that. There's more to a world. And the way that you continue to expand going forward with RPGs in general is just like you, we have technology now to make all of these, you know, I'm not going to say like night cities, thousands of NPCs need to have, you know, dialogue and shit, but yeah. all of the, the, the ones that we interact with most certainly should mm-hmm. even, you know, you're putting a shopkeep there, give it a purpose other than shopkeeping. Yeah. Um, that really needs, I think that's how we change it really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, so with that said, I think the 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 next thing that is, again, big for me, not necessarily uh, as big as characters, although it is, is a large chunk, is, is narratives. Uh, and so I think I want to engage with you on this, Austin. Yeah. Uh, what do you think makes an engaging narrative? Um strong lore like just really strong world building like um like a story can be really interesting on its own and and that's fine but a story on its own is is that like that's not like you have you have to you have to have interesting lore and interesting world building to kind of back up that narrative or else that's that's all it is it's just a narrative and that's not that like that's boring like that's boring to me does that make sense what i'm trying to say Yes. Like, like there to me, like with RPGs, especially is like, I need that lore to be expansive. I need that world building to be expansive. I need to be able to think about this story and get physically lost in this story. Like, like I want like physical. Yeah, that's it. Like, uh, like I, I, like I want to start an RPG, learn about this world, learn, learn about its lore. And then like, you know, when I'm not playing, when I'm at fucking work where I'm supposed to be doing my job, but instead I'm just sitting in the corner on my phone for 35 minutes. Um, like I want to be able to go on the games like fandom and like fandom Wikipedia and just like read more on it and some shit. Yeah. Like, and, and that's like, that's what makes, what makes it, it, it interesting to me. Yeah. Um, Jay Truist in chat says it's like reading a book and that's essentially right. Yeah. You want to feel like you can just go and get more. And one of the games that has done this the most for me is actually world of Warcraft. Um, it isn't, of course it's only a matter of RPG, right? But it's, yeah, it's a franchise 
that spans its lore through generations and generations. It's like the fucking Gundam of lore in video games. <laughs> Truly, like we can bring that. That back. is super there, accurate. Yes, there's so much to do and learn. And the God, I've been wanting to play it again recently, but I know it's going to be a bad path if I do. Like I, I need to beat some shit before I go back Wait, to it. Didn't but. you get uh, Dion hooked on that drug of of WoW, and then you didn't even play it? You're a bad friend. Generally, but the good thing about <laughs> he said most um, of the time, yeah, most you're right. Of the time I call my good friends poor. That's self-explanatory. Mm. Are we good friends? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't talking about you. Yeah, he was talking about other. People. I okay, call a lot of people poor. Trust me. Um, Jeez, fuck, fucking Christ. Well, we got off. Go, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's because you know. Poor rhymes with lore, so it's easy to get sidetracked. That's it. So, yep. Um, World of Warcraft really does it because it has generations of of content to to delve into, and you have like you could jump into World of Warcraft today, understand everything that's going on. If you played base game up through expansion, you could understand it. But if you want to go and you want to get more and feed into this fire, that's that is the lore. You can and you can find so much on it. I have uh, a couple of books that really just delve into the history of the world, and it is fascinating. You would think that this was, I mean, you would think it's almost real with how much detail they put in there and like how much history is readily available at your fingertips. They do a really good job with it. So that's something I completely agree with. That's what makes a great narrative is being able to invest yourself into something so much that it feels real almost like, you know, knowledge about this shit that no one else would know, but because you're able to like delve into the lore that you have at your fingertips, it makes it like a living, breathing world. Mm -hmm. It feels great. Yeah, I, I agree mm -hmm. uh, that definitely the strong world building adds. I words, it adds words to the, uh, to the overall filling of the narrative for sure. I, 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 I Yes. I don't know what word I was searching for, but it was there. Do you, do I need a host? Uh, yeah, because man, I'm I'm real bad at it. I don't know if you guys know this or not. <laughs> uh, so is this twenty six? Yeah, yeah, almost almost a year. Maybe by fifty. We'll we'll get there eventually. <laughs> one day. Uh, so the one thing that I wrote down is uh, so you have to have these engaging stories, and and you guys pointed out lore is for is for sure, mm -hmm. but uh. The main story I think the thing that draws me in is that it can't it can't be too aimless. Like I think that part of the reason that open world RPGs really throw me off personally is I feel like the story feels aimless even though mm -hmm. it is there. Like the the one thing I, I will say is The Witcher. The Witcher is a great example of how not to do this. So The Witcher is open world and you can go and do whatever the fuck it is that you want to do. But for me, I was playing the Witcher and I was like, I want to fucking, I, I want to go find Siri. Like I, I want to understand what's going on with, with the wild hunt. Like I want to pursue this story. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and another thing that I think that the Witcher gets correct is, is side content. Like the side quest need to be compelling. They have to they have to draw you in the same way that the major story does, but they cannot take focus away from the main narrative. Like mm -hmm. I don't want to get caught doing eighty thousand side quests 
when the main story is the thrust of the game. Like, uh, then that's something that I think Final Fantasy does exceptionally well. I think that the content, the side content in those games, specifically seven, eight, nine, is structured in such a way that, like, it is fun stuff and I love doing it, but it never once makes me feel like I shouldn't be doing something else, if that makes sense. Say, um, uh, like, They talk to this person. Mm-hmm. You'll get this exactly fucking like that, and like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you guys might hate hearing this, but I I really feel like that's a that's, lot that's not questing Bethesda games. Also, I really don't. Oh, you're right. Add no, you're right for a sure. A lot to the overall experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, actively detract, but yeah. Uh, well, like okay. You Hang on. Progress. Let me let me because Dylan's about to have a stroke over there. Let let me take that back for half a second. The interesting stuff, like the guild quest lines. Those don't, but the other side quests, like, uh, I'm, I see, I'm failing to blink on one or like to even come up with one because I can't think of one off the top of my head that actually like engaged me. I feel yeah. like with the exception of like the guild storylines in like Oblivion or Skyrim or, or what have you, with the exception of those, I don't really feel engaged by any of the side content in Bethesda games. Mm-hmm. But you, are, are you, do you, when do you want to kill me? Is it after the show or, or do you want to kill me now? That's what I'm thinking about. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we live close enough that it's an option. <laughs> You're right. Um, no, I, I mean, of course I want to disagree, but, I, but then my only argument would be like there's stuff. It's again, it kind of falls into a, situation where it's kind of like the guild stuff it's the daedric quests Mm -hmm. um so it's just another type of if you're talking like individual one-off quests i mean it's hard for me to think of some too but that's because there's so many guild quests daedric Mm -hmm. quests stuff like that um i can't really think of a lot of one-offs right now i mean i i can but i had to think long and hard about it skyrim does it good because there's stuff that delves into like the burrows and the dragon priests. And I mean, there's, there's lots of stuff there, but I, I see what you're saying. Like, it's not memorable. Like the Witcher three would have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that kind of brings us to where we think good RPGs are. So I think probably, uh, is the next line of questioning, uh, to interrogate this subject a little more is why we love RPGs. Uh, and the first thing that I have written down here, and, and I think that this is probably the number one reason that we 
love RPGs is new experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I'll, I'll go to you first, Austin, because I feel like you have a, uh, I feel like you have something to say because of the uh, uh, vast differences in the amount of RPGs you, uh, you play. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's in setting. Um, yeah. So we already kind of talked a little bit about like what makes a good RPG setting, but like, uh, why, why do you think that that is so important? What do you mean? Okay. <laughs> so, so I think is it is it a form of escapism for you? Like, like is the ability to oh, and ye- universes completely like? foreign to your own reality right yeah for for yeah no i i i i I see what you mean now um for me it it 100 is escapism um it 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 gives me this mindset where i can physically i can physically because so uh, let me backtrack a little bit when i play a game that's not an rpg in like the way my head kind of deals with it it's almost like I'm participating in this story, but like, I'm not actually there. Like I'm just kind of watching events unfold there. Like to me, to me, honestly, every other genre except RPGs is nowhere near as fucking immersive for me. Um, and that's just a personal, uh, personal bit. Uh, but like when I play an RPG, it is absolutely fucking escapism. Um, it's a way for me to, to live a life in a setting that I would never physically possibly be able to do. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I posed that question to you first is cause you, like you, you play persona, then you played Xenoblade and then you play yeah. new Vegas and shit like that. But like, I feel like Dylan for you, you to me tend to play, I, I don't want to say the same sort of games, but like it's, it's very similar. It's very high fantasy or, or fantasy based or whatever. So is there a difference there with you? Like what compels you to play those games, like those games in that setting? Um, I have a question first. And okay. This is, sometimes I have something in my head and I can't drop it until I ask it. Okay. Um, does Kayla ever at some point just like look at your head and then bite it because it's like the perfect shape, like just like not a hard bite, but just like, does she ever just go like, like just nibble? Yeah. Just like bite the top of it. No, no, that's very weird. (laughs) If I was in a relationship with you, I would come up and just like, like bite your head, like at least once a day. I don't know why. So now, you know, if he ever comes up to you and does that at work, it's a mating call in a sense. (laughs) My mouth is on his head. Yes, that would be a mating call, probably. Uh, so we were probably both fired, and then and then it's we're like, going out to the car to do something. He said, "You're not just going to nibble on my head and walk away and leave me empty-handed. That's not happening." <laughs> he said, "Nibble on both." Um, uh, oh boy! Holy I was shit! Just, yep, he he got it. Um, no, I was just wondering because <laughs> I was watching Austin speak a minute ago, but then your head caught my eye. You just like, memorized the perfect by like shape. the uh, the the. The slick, the slickness, and that that it's light just the bouncing perfect off of shape, it, dude. Like I just want to fucking grab it or bite it or something. I don't know. Boy, you got a nice head. Um, well, thank you. You're welcome. So, <laughs> what draws me to 
the particular kind of game that I'm in is so you guys know that I'm very nature oriented. You, you know mm. that I love going hiking, fishing. I love being out in the wilderness. I love being anywhere but fucking where I'm at right now. Um, I love to be surrounded by trees and the smell of the earth and the sounds that are around me that aren't anything that's around here. I like the birds and the crunching of the leaves and the flow of a stream and fish jumping in the distance mm-hmm. or fucking deer, you know, running through the woods. I love the sounds of nature. And that's just my whole life. My I have no God, but my God is the earth. That's where I that's this is my that's my love, mm-hmm. essentially. Philosophical. And that transforms lates into my gameplay like i love playing games that truly throw me into this mystical place that's lush and full of anything but what we have now that's probably why i didn't enjoy cyberpunk as much at first because it was like a flip of what i know but if you look at games like skyrim and um uh, the Witcher, it's like you're thrown into these worlds where, yeah, they have big bustling towns, but there are these worlds that you can just explore and get mm-hmm. lost in. Breath of the Wild was the same way. The Assassin's, the newer Assassin's Creed games, yes, there's, you know, gigantic, expansive cities, but beyond that, there's this g- massive world that you can explore. And that's what really attracts me to these games. It's the ability not to get lost in the story, but the world itself. So I like a game that is crafted towards that experience i love being able to go hiking in the in just the nothingness and discover what's out there that's really everything that i enjoy in a game and especially if you couple that with a great narrative and you know the soundtrack is phenomenal and these characters are memorable that's what makes a really good game to me Mm -hmm. that's also why you see me playing all the games that i do Mm -hmm. Um, they're all but it's even though they're similar they're also very different too the world of the witcher is much different than the world of skyrim in a sense like you can draw certain similarities but at the same time they're vastly different um so that's really what gets me um just addicted and enveloped into a game is that kind of world. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I totally agree with everything that both of you just said. It's for me, it's, it's totally escapism. Like mm-hmm. I get to get away from what I am currently in. Like your like, daily monotonous bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Exactly. And I, I think that that also kind of extends to the, uh, the, the NPCs of games. Like mm-hmm. I'm interacting with people on a daily basis and they all tend to be i mean we we're humans we all have our different personalities and everything like that right but like in general i know what i'm dealing with when i'm dealing with a human being at work or in a in my relationship at home or whatever but i don't necessarily know what i'm getting from thane from mass effect or Callie yeah. or or uh siri you know you know what i mean like the these npcs that are like hugely influential in our in our pop culture and shit like that and uh i i think escapism is is again the the root of that uh you're right it's personalities that you can delve into that we are not accustomed to in the slightest yeah exactly um so i i think another strand that we should probably tuck uh touch on is is I think this actually kind of delves into the uniqueness of video games as a whole, mm-hmm. um, but like the unique stories that we exist in RPGs. So like uh, Austin, like when, what, what draw, what draws you to 
RPGs in, in video games specifically? Um, or, uh, sorry, I should t- RPG <laughs> stories. Specifically, yeah, I should. Um, and this, this might just be a personal thing for me. Um, you know, as far as, you know, the, the catalog of games that I've experienced in my life, uh, like I said earlier, uh, other genres just don't do it for me as far as immersion goes. Um, and I, I feel like, like I tend to walk away from an RPG, uh, falling in love, falling in love with a story much harder than I do really any other fucking genre. Um, I, I think that RPGs just because of the way they're laid out and the way that they're developed and designed, I feel like they do a better job at, at, at formulating that story to you. And I don't, I don't have anything like necessarily to back that up, but like, that's just, and that's just how I personally feel about them. I I feel like RPGs tell stories better than any other genre of video games. Uh, mostly again for me because they're they're more immersive like I can actually like like in my head I can actually like envision myself in engaging and interacting in this narrative mm-hmm. more so than other genres for sure for sure uh, I, Dylan I mean what about you so a huge part of it is the world that we just talked about that mm-hmm. that, that really helps drive um the story overall, but I need the characters to play a vital role. And the, the, the role isn't what they were designed to do in the game. The vital role that I'm talking about is how they, they, they speak to me and not like their dialogue in the game, but it's who am I seeing? It's like, I'm, when I see a new video game character, it's like, I'm meeting a new person for the first time. This is someone that I've never met before. So Mm -hmm. in order for me to go along with the brand new story, I need to be um, invested into the characters that are a part of that world. Um, Cyberpunk did a great job with that. But beyond that, The Witcher does a great job with that. Kingdom Hearts does a great job with that. Um, Assassin's Creed Origins is probably my favorite out of the series, but it the main character himself was a character that yes, I was playing as him, but I was invested in him because of the phenomenal voice acting. And I felt the rage and sheer emotion that he had and especially, uh, especially interacting with his wife and eventually other members that would become the creed. It's like, I could really get behind these characters and have a story driven experience that was fueled by these characters that were people that I was coming to know. And Mm -hmm. that's what will drive me forward in any RPG. It's just being able to, to relate to these characters, even in stuff like Stardew Valley, it's a simulated RPG, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I'm investing, I've spoke about it time and time again. It's not that I'm uh, creating a farm and going mining and doing this and that. I always speak about the characters that I meet in Stardew Valley along the way. The experiences that we see with, um, you know, Linus, who we were talking about a few podcasts ago, or just the people that you eventually want to try and romance and, you know, delve into a relationship with. These are all character driven elements to games. And that's what provides a good story to me. Stardew Valley really doesn't have a story, but because of the relationships you're building with the characters, you see one flesh out a little bit. So there's a reoccurring trend with me and just loving character-driven story games, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, 
I think that one, the the one thing that I think is unique to video games that that uh, also is unique in RPG story settings is that you get to participate in the story, whereas other mediums you don't. So like when yeah. I'm watching a movie, it is a very passive experience. I may be able to experience something, but I am not in it. And I think RPGs specifically and, and video game RPGs specifically allow me to be an active participant in a world or a story that I would another otherwise be able to experience. Uh, sure. And that actually, that, uh, the kind of ties into the next sort of like section that we, I, I kind of wanted to touch on and it's that control. Uh, like, so is control a big factor in determining why you like RPGs? Dylan? Um, yeah. So I think that I'm a person that likes to be in control in general. So I really enjoy, you know, the moments where I can, you know, yes, I can play as Geralt of Rivia in The Witcher 3, but I like being able to control who I am in Skyrim. Mm-hmm. I like being able to say, this is who I am. These are the choices I'm making. But even, you know, bouncing back over to The Witcher 3 or Cyberpunk, control to me also dictates the the dialogue that I'm utilizing to advance the story further. So that's a huge part of what I mm-hmm. like as well in these games. Um, but I also like it when games take control away from me. It's like Cyberpunk did a great job with that. So spoiler alert, if you haven't fucking played it, uh, you probably haven't made it this far in the game. Um, It's fine. You guys will get over it. So (laughs) you, you as V are essentially dying because you planted a chip inside of your head. And now John, the, the, the engram, the fragment of life that was Johnny Silverhand is taking slowly over your body. So that's inevitable. You are going to die one way or the other yeah. thing. And it took my control away from me, but at the same time, it gave me options to get to the final point in the game where I felt like I had some control up until that final moment. And I think that's what makes a game special as well is like you can take control away while still giving you a little bit of control. So I think that's a unique way to go about it, too. But overall, that's what I like about RPGs is that I have much more of a grasp on what I'm doing. And it's not just being fed to me type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One thing that I, I had written down here uh, and we could touch on this with you, Austin, with allowing with like yeah. having agency is uh, the morality system. So like mm-hmm. in Dragon Age or Mass Effect or The Witcher, they allow you to to craft your character as you see fit, sort of. Yeah. But uh, to take that a step further, your favorite game of all time is New Vegas. Mm-hmm. It has a full character creation content suite. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you feel like that ability to play anyone or to kind of like shape your own destiny. Do you think that's what draws you towards RPGs? Oh, absolutely. So like, and kind of like going back to the whole like control aspect as a whole. Um, I like in my personal life, like I'm a, I'm a very passive person. Like I know Dylan said he likes to be in control. I fucking do not. 
Um, like the, the work, like I, the, the hands down, the worst job I ever fucking had was being a retail manager because I had to make decisions. I had to make sure shit was up and running and I fucking hate it. Like that shit was a waking fucking nightmare for me. And I will never, I'll never take a manager. I'll never take a supervisor position. I'll never take a lead position. I will never do any of that shit again because I mentally cannot handle it. Um, I like being told what my job is and how to do it, get really fucking good at it and go the fuck home. Like, I, I don't like to be in control of things. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, me and Madison go out to eat. I don't like picking where we go to eat. Whoo! I thought that was going somewhere way. No, 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 no. Um, oh, yeah, Madison gets mad at me cause she's so fucking indecisive. But like, I, like, I don't like picking where to eat when I go out with the boys. I don't like picking what we do. Because if somebody gets disappointed with what we did or it wasn't fun or whatever, I don't like that being on me. But like as far as RPGs go, like it's it's an opposite effect for me. Like I'm like, I can be in control. I can do whatever the fuck I want and there's no repercussions. Like Fallout 3, for example, you have the option if you build your character properly, you have the option to nuke an entire fucking town. And it ta- yeah. it, it takes away all the side quests that would be available in that town. Um, I think there's there's a couple of story elements that are necessary for the narrative for you to know that you'll miss if you fucking do that because you literally fucking nuked them. Um, and as as far as the morality system goes and, you know, being able to shape your own destiny, so to speak, in, in a video game, um, I, I, I get off on that shit, bro. Like that shit really just draw, hits the nail on the fucking head for me um, because I like. I, I like dictating these characters' lives because it's something that I could never do in my own personal life. Do you like to be choked? Do I? I'm not going to answer that. I'm just wondering. I would 100% do. Like Laying know. it on the table, 100%. This speaks profoundly of what we just discussed. Nope. I'm a choker, but you're the receiving of the choker. Nope. So. Choke me and spit in my mouth. I'm, I'm down for it. And, and I don't like either of those things, so... What do you like, missionary? Josh likes to be railed. <laughs> I like I like to watch. Uh, you, oh, okay. Just kidding. I'm just fucking kidding. You got. I mean, I, you I, fucking I, gross asses. We are talking about video games. Yeah, but now we're talking about sex in a video game. Okay, well, uh, so <laughs> I like doing the choking in a video game. So is there <laughs> is there something to be said because we've talked about you know, creating your own character with like the Bethesda titles or whatever. Mm-hmm. But D- Dylan, is there something to be said about role playing existing characters? Like you love the Witcher so much. So like, mm-hmm. is there a reason why you are, are you, I don't want to say you gravitate towards those. Cause I don't think that that's actually true, but is there a reason that you like those sort of experiences? Like getting to role play as Geralt? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't... Okay, let's just take a step into this direction for a second because that's a beautiful fucking man, right? Like, he is a handsome sack of beauty. Uh, and I'm not just talking about Henry Cavill. I'm talking about okay. even Gerald inside the game himself. Yeah, Henry Cavill I mean, is a sweet-looking man. Is he your type? No. Uh, well, you know, maybe. He is Sounds like fucking he is. nerdy. He's very nerdy. and he's He is nerdy. Goddamn good-looking. Yeah. Um, so does he have to be nerdy to be your type? Yes. Really? Personality is okay. a, a big, uh, big thing for we're, so much is starting to come to light. Okay. Um, <laughs> but no, I I enjoy these experiences because 
There's two. So there's two reasons for this. If I'm playing a character in Skyrim, I feel like that's me from the ground up. Like I am making these choices from the very inception of the moment. Like this is, this is who I am in my first playthrough as a character, probably. But with Geralt, I'm trying to think of someone else. Well, we'll stick with Geralt for now. I mean, V is an option, but Geralt specifically, like you know the kind of character that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, even from the early stages of The Witcher 3, if you never play the other two, you can kind of figure out who Geralt is. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, you kind of have these different routes that you can take. You can continue on the path that you think is right, but that's not necessarily the path that Geralt himself would have chosen. Yeah. But you yourself are Geralt of Rivia, so there's there's a lot of tentacles that branch out and oh tentacles wasn't the right word tendrils tendrils no i can't help of thinking anything but tentacles right now (laughs) after the conversation we just came off of yeah poor choice poor choice okay there's a lot of branches to this fucking tree is what i should have said why Mm -hmm. didn't i just say that why did i say tentacles that's gonna haunt me for the rest of the night Uh, maybe that's a you thing I have never been into that, but I mean, that's a lot of choking that can be done. Have you ever tried it? Tentacles, not personally. I've never found an octopus that was willing to not be rape. Um, is that TOS? That's definitely TOS. It's not my channel. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, he it's said, only a third of your channel. He said, right? He said, fuck them. Um, but I like, I like kind of playing who I think Geralt should be. That was a dog bark. I'm sorry. Um, God damn it. Blind dog. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) She's also mute. Um, She doesn't know what she's saying. Uh, I like making the choices that I think Geralt would make, but then maybe even on another playthrough, like deviating from that completely and playing him in like an asshole kind of way. Almost. I like the options that it comes with. Yeah, Mm, for sure. Um, so, with that said, uh, I mean, the one thing that I like personally, I don't like the character creation stuff. Uh, like, I don't like Bethesda games where I create my own character because, uh, well, this probably speaks to me in real life, but uh, I kind of hate myself. So in character creations, I also end up like it's not like I I. I make myself in the game, so I hate my character in the game also, if that makes sense. Yeah. But with stuff, in a role-playing game, you choose to make yourself? Uh, well, I mean, I I am me. It, That's why... I, so, like... Yeah, like if I I'm, mean, I guess. Pregnant what? Pause. Uh... <laughs> Uh, no, so, like I, I prefer JRPGs because they tend to give me characters to latch on to. So I yeah, like playing that's fair. as Cloud and Squall from Final Fantasy or Geralt from, you know, uh, The Witcher because, A, these characters are fully crafted and and I get to experience their stories as opposed to making my own story. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and even still... Like, it, it's not like, I, it's not, I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this. 
there's still there, so there's still development there within these games, right? Like it's when you play Skyrim, you are your character and you can develop them however you want. But like, yeah. I get to go along with Cloud's journey in Final Fantasy VII, and I still get to see the development of his character, and those moments can still speak to me. It's in in a way like watching a movie, like. Oh, burp number two for the show. Nice. Um, I lost my train of thought. I'm gonna be honest, with <laughs> but the burp ruined it. The burp ruined it. Uh, so the open-ended design of Western RPGs specifically it leads you to be able to take on challenges at your own pace. Uh, mm-hmm. Is is that another reason that you guys are drawn to the RPG genre? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he had to show it because you hadn't acknowledged it yet. I had not. I had not acknowledged it. That's gross. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> what was your question? Because I was really happy about my picture. That's going to be my wallpaper now. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I don't uh, Are you guys drawn to the open-ended design of RPGs? Like, is that something that actively draws you into the genre? Mm. Yeah, I yeah I I'd say it, it wouldn't be one of the stronger things that draw me in. Yeah, I think it really for me comes down to the losing my sense of self in a game mm-hmm. that draws me in. It's almost like an acid trip that's in control, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, but no, the open endedness definitely helps. I think. What about you, Stevens? Um. I mean, yeah, I, I don't have a, a very elaborate way to describe uh, it, but um, kind of like what Dylan said, it's not it's not the biggest draw point. But, yeah, it's it's definitely for sure there. Hmm. I mean, fair enough. Uh, so I think the last thing that probably we can we can talk about is is maybe the. Uh, potential downfalls of RPGs. Um, oh, boy. There are none. So one for me, uh, and, and I'll kind of get into it, that, but sort of because of what I've played this week, but it's time. Uh, they are huge, huge time mm-hmm. sinks. Uh, and that I, I, as an adult, don't have the time to invest. Yeah, in for that. sure. Um, is that something that could potentially turn... Well, I, I, it could potentially, but is that anything that turns you guys off? Because, I mean, we're all adults now, right? I mean... I think so. We are. So, for me, it's... Um, I like it. I do have limited time now, but there's... I try to turn that into a positive. It's like, before I could crank out game after game after game and beat it, but now I can oh, just for really sure. have the time to stick on one. And the cool thing is that I can take the one game that I'm playing, take Cyberpunk, and I can invest hours and hours and hours into it because it's like I might only have an hour at the end of my day to sit and play a game, but that's an hour that I can put into the same game, learn more about the world, learn more about the experiences overall, and just try to have a good time with it because, like, I mean, I wish I had time to play all the stuff that I want to play, but I just don't. Yeah, um, that's why I don't even stream right now. I just do not have the time. Um, my most played game this week was Stardew Valley, and that's just because I can sign on, play a couple of days at a time, and then turn it off for the night. Mm-hmm. Um, so time 
it does suck because they're so long, but I will not find great enjoyment out of a game that actually has fewer mm -hmm. hours of a threshold that I'm comfortable with. Like, I don't want to play a game that's as short as Resident Evil 7. I want to play a game that I can invest hundreds of hours into type of thing. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I am the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to spend thousands of hours in Skyrim. I'll, I'll fucking kill myself before I do that. No. See, and TOS all over this, this Jesus fucking Christ this is an awful episode <laughs> um, to to quickly kind of piggyback off of what Dylan said um, like the the time is a is honestly the only drawback RPGs really fucking have for me um, and you know it's kind of like what Dylan said when we were younger um, you know you crank out game after game like for for fucking example this is super fucking weird but when I was in middle school and in high school, uh, if it was a game that I really fucking loved and I was excited about, like I got it when it came out or whatever, uh, like Assassin's Creed 3, for example, I restarted Assassin's Creed 3 five times before I actually finished it because I played through it so fucking quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, literally the day after, maybe not the day after, maybe two days after release, like I, I was on the climax of the game. Like, I was almost fucking done. And I was like, no, like, I want to spend more time doing this. So I restarted. And I'm pretty sure I restarted Assassin's Creed three, four or five times. Mm -hmm. But now I don't have that issue because I play games like Persona 5 that just the main story alone will take you over 120 hours. So it's like, come home, play like three or four hours. Don't do anything majorly significant. But, you know, do, do uh, just enough to give me a little bit of a, a little bit of a fucking crumb to feed off of for the next day or so until I get to put three or four more hours into it. Mm. Um, and it sucks because, you know, I feel like I, 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 dude, I started my Persona 5 playthrough in fucking September. I started September of last year, and I am still, I think I just beat the second boss of Persona 5 Royal. Oh, Lord. Yeah, like I just recruited Fox. Yeah. Like... <laughs> That's how that's how much I'm stretching myself between, you know, every, all the other games I'm trying to play and like everything that I'm doing. Um, but time is the only downfall as as far as our, for RPGs for me. But it's also not even really a downfall because I feel like I get to enjoy these games for longer periods of time. And, you know, kind of what I spoke about earlier as far as the lore goes, you know, it's so on my mind, like. I can go to work the next day and like watch Persona 5 the animation or fucking read about the lore and previous Persona games and how it built up to Persona 5 and how it built up to what I'm experiencing now. Um, I Like I have time to do all that now, whereas back in the day in high school, I, I, I didn't. I would usually finish a game the day after release, if not two days after release. Obviously, depending on the fucking game. Uh, that's why I dropped out of high school was because when I was a senior in high school, I literally went to school like once a week. So I had a lot of free time on my hands back then. Well, that is a thing that happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so I, I think the the last thing that I want to bring up, because you said that time is really the only issue for you, but this is something that... Uh, specifically with like mass effect bothered me yeah. uh, and maybe I'll, I'll pose it to you guys this way it is the illusion of choice in these games. Is it ever enough to kind of turn you off? Like for, for instance, mass effect is a great example of this. You're 
they build that game when it was coming out in 2007 as like a they knew it was going to be a trilogy and your entries in each game would affect the outcome of the the like the game that would come after it like you, the stuff that you did in mm-hmm. Mass Effect 1 was going to matter in Mass Effect 3 and then you got to the end of the game and it those choices kind of didn't matter didn't yeah and, didn't and, matter and the at overall all. grand scheme of things right mm-hmm. um is that something that you think is a potential turnoff for RPGs? I, I feel like, and and Dylan, please don't fucking shit on me for this because I know I haven't played the game any time recently. Um, I feel like that was a big downfall for me not to continue. Cyberpunk was from what I had watched of reviewers, like a like the guy beat 'em ups I watched did a, did like an hour and a half review of Cyberpunk. And, uh, like, nothing, like, nothing you did. And, and again, this is speaking from from launch day. Nothing you did fucking mattered. Uh, There were missions where if you were supposed to knock out somebody, like, incapacitate them, but you killed them, the cutscene would come up and it would still act as if you incapacitated them and didn't kill them, or vice versa. And, like... I, like, I like the idea of having choices and the choices actually affecting the narrative, but, like, when it gets to a point that they don't affect the narrative and it's just completely fucking pointless to, you know, do your own thing, then, yeah, that makes me... I mean, that's honestly the biggest reason why I haven't continued to play through of Cyberpunk. Mm. It, it turned me off too fucking hard because I was like, I don't, I don't want to waste my time thinking, oh, these choices matter just for the end game for them to be completely fucking irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Dylan? No, I mean, just, I mean, play the game. It's, I thought the same thing, and then I finished it, and now I understand. I was I was a little wrong. Um, necessarily, your, uh, your life path choices don't matter so much. It's nice that you can use it as a dialogue option later, but there are about five or six different endings, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and all that just stems from your choices that you make, so... Mm-hmm. It's pretty critical. Um, second half of the game gets really fucking dark. Yeah. Mm. And it's slowly creeping its way into the top 10 of all time for me, but it's going to take some more delving into it. Um, I also don't think I have a console that can handle Cyberpunk. I think that's another reason why I haven't played. Yeah, I don't think my PC can handle Cyberpunk, sir. They they fixed a lot of the issues. I mean, try at least. I mean, give it a shot. But I mean, I'll I'll, I'll pick it up. Really I'll pick it up and you know, download it and give it a shot. But I I felt like if my PC couldn't even handle Modern Warfare at moderate settings, that it probably couldn't handle Cyberpunk. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think that probably wraps up our RPG talk. Um, mm-hmm. So why don't we get into what we've been playing? Uh, talk about some RPGs. <laughs> let's talk, yeah, let's Honestly. talk about some RPGs. Yeah, I, I'm just going to talk about the one this week. <clears throat> I've talked enough about Stardew Valley. I love it. Great game. Play it. Um, Cyberpunk, though. I continued to play a little bit this week, so I beat the game when I told you guys about it um, last week. And then this week, I haven't played a lot, but what I did play, I you can so you can pick up right before the last mission of cyberpunk mm-hmm. um, once you beat the game and then you can kind of work on unlocking the other endings and go that route if you want to. But what I'm doing right now is 
delving more into the side quests that I know will be rewarding. And they truly have been. And I don't mean rewarding like you get a lot of great loot, which you do. It's rewarding in the sense that it opens up more of the world to you um, and more of the world in terms of character building um, and just story driven moments that are in the side quests. It really it really makes you feel connected. And this is where I feel like the game shines at. Yeah, for sure. And that's yeah, it's truly the story. And then once you meet certain characters in the story, the stuff that that opens up really helps solidify the game as having great great value in terms of just getting to know these people and helping them and doing what you can i'm curious to see how it's going to affect the other endings um i'm close to unlocking one but just (sighs) getting some of the outcomes for the characters that you meet along the way um characters that you think may be in it for the long run seeing the uh consequences of their actions within the game it can be hard um, because it's completely out of your hands or maybe the choices that you made led to those distinct events happening I don't know it's just that's where the game truly opens up to me Um, I've been trying to uh, instigate a lot of combat scenarios just to kind of explore that a little bit more and I'm enjoying it I especially now that I have stronger weapons I feel even playing on the hard difficulty, I feel like I'm a little overpowered, but that's because I have some in-game content as well. Um, I haven't really worked with crafting too much, so I feel like it's almost obsolete, or maybe I've just not taken an advantage of it. I don't know. But the crafting, to me, seems boring. I have no reason <laughs> to do it yet. Um The game still has its issues. I still see some bugs in there that I know inevitably they'll work on, but the shadow when you're running cracks me up so much. It's like a PlayStation 1 shadow. Like, your arms are, like, symmetrical. Like, run. it's fucking hilarious. Um, There's no depth to it at all. But they have fixed a lot of issues that make the game run smoothly for me. I could stream it for the first time since it came out um, a couple weeks back. Um... And overall, it just feels like a more solid experience than I started with. And even I think I played it in January when they released some kind of patch and it still wasn't doing it for me. But this time going back and just delving into the ending of the game, yes, but then going back and delving into the side content too. That's the stuff I was looking for. That's what I know CD Projekt Red can do. And they delivered on it. So I really I really enjoy what I'm playing right now. And it's slowly creeping its way up. It's still not made it there, but... Um, it's kind of slowing down for me right now just because I'm really interested in playing Stardew Valley. And as soon as I get that paycheck, probably going to buy Kingdom Hearts, not going to lie. <laughs> um, so I can start playing that again as well. But it was, a, it was a good time allotment this week. I am glad that the time that I did have to play video games, I spent playing that because I feel like it was rewarding so I'm glad that Cyberpunk wasn't the complete failure that I thought it was at the end of last year. Um, and instead, it's completely turned around. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I, I, will, uh, I will probably give it another shot as soon as it goes on sale. Yeah, definitely buy it on sale. Yeah, I'm not paying full price. 60 still. It's not happening. Well, I have to find time for it. I paid for it digitally. Uh, so I, no returning it for me. Oh, I bought it digitally too, but I returned it. Oh yeah, you did that because you're a dumbass. I took uh, Sony's offer. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, uh, so you were talking about the story that drew you in. I played this week a story that drew me in. What remains of Edith Finch? Mm. So this is a Holocaust survivor. No. Mm. (laughs) Why is there a Nazi joke in this? I wasn't a Nazi joke. Oh, sorry. Holocaust joke. Okay. Uh, Same thing. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. All right. Listen. Uh, So this is a walking simulator developed by Giant Sparrow. These were the guys who did the unfinished one on the uh, Vita. I think it was also on PS3, but uh, I played it on Vita. Uh, And this was released in 2017. Basically, it follows this young woman who returns to her childhood home in Washington, like state. Uh, after, uh, I forget the exact amount of years. I think she may say it. If not, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, after being away from the house and basically she's writing her thoughts down in a journal as she explores the house. So, uh, initially when you first start, like I got real horror horror game vibes kind of the same way that i did with gone home so like gone home you start like you go outside and like you hear the thunder and the rain and stuff and you open up the door or whatever and like all the lights are out and like when you turn them on the power flickers and stuff like that uh and in this one so like you are basically when you're walking around through that opening sequence you kind of get a feel for how the gameplay is going to go and like you see like the text from her journal pops up on screen as she's walking by and she's expressing these thoughts. And she starts talking about like, uh, her mom giving her this key that will allow her to like, understand the mysteries of the house or whatever. But also like in that opening scrawl, she says how she, uh, she always felt weird about the house and she never really understood it until she grew older. And it was that she was scared of it. Uh, and then, and then the last thing that like really kind of led me to that is like, you're walking along and like, there's this, it's a long kind of like driveway up to the house and pinned on several trees and, and littered about in the, the brush of the forest or whatever, uh, are these posters for a missing child. And it turns out like that it's Edith's brother and he had gone missing before they, uh, left the house or whatever. So like very, very strong horror vibes to begin with. But then like you go in and you explore the house and you kind of, the story starts to unravel that it's about the family and it's really telling the story of all of the, of the family members separate sort of like lives and how they died and when you finish each little sequence uh, for each family member, you get uh, like a sketch in the uh, the family tree or whatever of those. So you kind of get a sense of like who these people were sort of thing. And then the you, you get finished exploring the house and the, the ending comes and it is just really powerful. And like it really kind of made me it made me cry multiple times. Um, the, the ending in particular really got me, uh, hard, but, um, really. So 
the game tackles a couple of different things. Uh, and, and being a walking simulator, it's not really like heavy on the gameplay. It's more, it's very narrative focused. Like it, you, it's basically a playable movie more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it focuses a lot on death. I mean, obviously, uh, from, I, 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 don't know if I did a good enough job of, of describing this when I was talking about the plot, but every character on this family tree dies and you experience their quote unquote final moments when you are playing each of their successive stories. And uh, in many ways, it expresses how quickly death can come. So, like, for instance, there is uh, one sequence where one of the characters he that you play as shoots a deer with his daughter and he wants to get a picture of it or whatever. And so he goes up to to get the picture with his daughter. The daughter's sitting there crying or whatever. And then he didn't do a good enough job to check to make sure that the deer is actually dead and it bucks up and knocks him off over this cliffside and he dies. And it's just, it's one of these like freak accident sorts of things. And, and the game does a really nice job of kind of exploring that like death can literally strike at any moment, but also it can be a long drawn out process. Like uh, Edith, you never actually get to play this sequence, but like Edith explains that her mother uh, kind of suffers from uh I don't know if it's Alzheimer's or it's dementia, but eventually she like gets sick and start stops remembering things and stuff like that. And then she dies and it can be a long drawn out process. So it really ruminates on death, but also not necessarily like actual legitimate death. It focuses, uh, it has some more stuff about allegorical death. Like one of the sequences is literally about the mundanity of life and how soul sucking, like, performing menial tasks can be and how that can kill your spirit. So, so it's, it's all this stuff, but then it also kind of like also is about grief and how death and by proxy grief affects us all. And so like one of the examples that I think is, is really telling or well, so it's two and they're really like the opposite opposite ends of the spectrum. So you've got Edie, who is Edith's great, great grandmother. Uh, Edie sort of memorializes all the family members in their rooms with like keeping the rooms the exact same. And that's how she like memorializes them or whatever. Uh, But also like she kind of doesn't like take their deaths seriously. Like, her husband died because he was trying to build a slide shaped like a dragon to get the kids to be able to like, I guess like slide down from the top of the house into the sort of like pond that's in the front of their house. And so she tells people that her husband died because he was killed by a dragon, which isn't wrong. He, he was killed by a dragon, but like at the same time, like that's not what happened. He was building a slide and it fucking collapsed and killed him. Like Jesus Christ, you know, uh, but the, the exact opposite of that is, is found through Edith, or, uh, Edith's mom, Dawn. And she kind of deals with it by like boarding up and sealing away all of the rooms. So she doesn't really want to talk about death or, mm-hmm. and, and doesn't really want to like 
experience, I guess, like the grief and everything like that. And then really, so all of this is in service to, I think, experiencing the overall theme, which is life. Like the whole game is about life and how how someone's life will affect another person's life. So like I'll take I'll I'll take Walter's story a, as a prime example of this. So Walter's story basically the sequence before you play as his is you see the death of his sister and he actually witnessed the death of his sister. And so through that he is scarred for life and does not want to die and it, it's traumatically like fucks with him. And so he spends his entire life living in a bunker, doing the same thing day in and day out until he finally kind of gets tired of it. And he goes out and like, as, as his story is ending, he's saying, I don't want to live in fear, basically. He, he, he says uh, something more along the lines of like, I would kill for just one, like a different month or hell, a different week or even just a different day. Just one day that is not the same. And I, I think that like the, the point of his was like living in fear. You, you can't do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like you, you have to live your life, but also it, it ties in with the idea that like he was so dramatically fucked by his sister's death that that's the life he ended up choosing. Mm -hmm. And then you can see that echoed out throughout the entire rest of the game. Like one of the, uh, one of the instances or one of the characters that you play as, uh, I, I want to say, it's Gregory. I think that's the character's name. He's a little baby and he dies in the tub because his mom and um his, uh his mom and his dad are on the phone fighting and she's not paying attention to him and she, he drowns. That like that's oh, that's yeah, that that's what happens. Christ. But like because of his death they get a divorce and then uh, you know, I think it, I think the dad wasn't the person who's actually attached to the family. He wasn't a Finch or whatever, but he moves away. And like, uh, like the, the one story that probably is the most striking and actually kind of ties into the gameplay. It was the one I was talking about with the mundanity. So like Lewis's tale, uh, the, his brother doesn't die so much as disappears. Who was the the one at the at the beginning of the of the game or whatever? But they all assume that he is dead. Like that that's just the assumption that they make or whatever. And so, because of his brother's death, he goes and he's working in a factory, and he doesn't want to deal with his life anymore. So he starts daydreaming, and his daydreaming starts to become like his reality to escape the shit storm. And because of that, he goes off, he gets in this world and he 
ultimately dies because what he thinks that he is doing, like the, the sequence is really, really like visually striking. He ends up going to this thing and he's going to get crowned crowned the king of, of this land or whatever. And he goes down, he leans down to get his um, crown or whatever. And in real life, he's doing that and he's fucking decapitating himself. That, that I'm, yeah. So that's, that's what's happening. But like he was affected by his brother's life so, so strongly that he like disassociated from the world. And like, Life and remembrance are the themes of this game. And it even kind of ties in with like interesting level mechanics that like you don't one, one level in particular really was, I thought striking. And it was this one that was like, uh, this, the one character is memorialized in a horror comic. And then you play through the panels of the horror comic and during that sequence, also the Halloween theme played, which I loved. I was like, fucking rock solid. But anyway, the, the point is, is like all of these things kind of tie together to tell this, this story about life and death and grief and how we affect each other and how that can make for better lives or whatever. Um, I don't know that I have anything bad to say about this game. Uh, I think if I were hard pressed to say anything bad about it, it would be that I feel like the gameplay mechanics uh, aren't uh, are, are almost non-existent. It, I mean, it is walking sim, so you know you know what you're getting into. But I, I don't think that I have any. Criticisms. I think it's a very good game with a very like incredibly affecting narrative. Like like I said, I cried multiple times playing this game, uh, and I, I do think that it has nice implementations of the mechanics that it does have to tie into the themes of the story that it's trying to tell. Um, but yeah, that was that was what remains of Edith Finch. I highly recommend that game. Hell yeah. It uh, it looks good. I watched a video for it just then. It looks kind of spooky, almost. Yeah, yeah. It's it definitely has like a uh, I don't I don't want to say a horror vibe because that's not right, but spooky is probably the right word for it. Um, Austin, oh, yeah. you've been playing some Astral Chain. Yeah, I have. Um. I fucking love this game. I think that this is the best, uh, uh, as far as I know, um, original Nintendo IP since Splatoon. Oh, um, I Craig is gone. God damn it, Craig! Oh, God damn it! Um, do you want me to wait or just keep going? Just, just keep going. Okay, if cool. If he's gonna shit the bed again, yeah, just fuck him. Um. But yeah, I uh, started playing it the other night and uh, or Monday or was it Monday? Oh no, it was last night because yesterday was a holiday. That's right. Um, but I I started playing it and immediately you're you're greeted to this cutscene that kind of shows this like weird device that doesn't really explain what it is, and then you see a government task force like watching this device from uh, a separate room. They shoot like some kind of like l fucking laser at it and it opens a portal 
and it's like this in, inner, like interdimensional, fucking crazy looking monster thing that they end up calling a chimera. And then, uh, you know, a couple years go by. At least I, I, I'm assuming because it looked like a couple years. Um, you're you're thrown into uh, your character, which is you can choose between a set of twins. And uh, you you immediately start out with this super fucking badass like motorcycle ride down through like a through like a tunnel. The tunnel is exploding. There's fucking cars being thrown at you. Uh, you come up against a semi where a bunch of these like invading chimeras are like running over it and shooting at you. You're shooting at them from the side of the motorcycle, and and you get into the main combat and um, you you get given. I can't remember what the device is. But you, you I can't remember the name of the device, but you get this like really gaudy fucking wrist piece that is basically a portal in itself. And you bring out these uh, like uh, uh, interdimensional creatures, but they like have armor on and are chained to you. And uh, you, you kind of use them to, to help fight off these monsters, even though they're the same thing. It's kind of got a weird it. <sighs> It's reminding me of something, but I can't quite put my finger on what it's reminding me of. Um, all I know is I want this game. I want an anime adaptation for this game mm. because I think that that would be a badass fucking story. Um, the art style to me is extremely unique. Like you have some characters that look very like anime and like manga esque, but then you have some characters that are more akin to like Borderlands which I think is odd that they kind of meshed the two. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm not deep enough to where I know the full extent of what's going on in the setting or the story. Um, but it, it is really fucking cool. And I think this is one of the most slept on Nintendo IPs that are available on the Switch. And I think everybody should give it a shot. Cool thing. Astral Chain. Uh, that's a platinum game, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought so. All right, uh, so I also played another uh, game from Game Pass called, this week called Genesis Noir. God damn, I can't talk. So this is a sort of uh, almost point-and-click adventure sort of puzzle game. Uh, it was developed by Feral Cat Den, and uh, it actually just came out at the end of March. So, um, So, yeah. Mostly, this is a sort of side-scrolling puzzler. Uh, there's really not much to it. It's mostly moving your uh, character in various directions down a set path. Um, it has some puzzles in there, but they're relatively simple. There are a couple that uh, I was like, mm, all right, I don't know if I'm doing this right or not, but, you know, whatever. Uh, really, this game gets points for me though in excuse me it's style um immediately the first thing that you notice about this is the art style it's so it's mostly monochromatic uh there are occasional splashes of color until you get to the very end when there's like a fuck ton of color which is really cool Mm -hmm. but uh it's mostly sort of black white gray uh with occasional like gold and like some blues in there and stuff like that uh and it's the characters are kind of drawn i don't know what the art style that they use is called like i i tried looking it up and i could not figure out what the hell the art style was called but it's these bold lines that are white against kind of like the black 
backdrop and stuff like that. And it's just very visually striking. It looks gorgeous. Like I, I, this is one of the most visually. What the fuck's the word for that? I'm looking at right? it now and it's like, I know what it is, mm-hmm. but it's. Yeah. It's like negative space, but not. Yeah, exactly. It's like Mr. Negative from Spider-Man. I, I have absolutely no idea what, what the art style is called. That's really cool, um, though. It's unique as fuck. Yeah, yo. it's very unique. And and the, the music is kind of the same way. I mean, it's it's a lot of jazz, uh, especially in the beginning. Uh, but, like, it goes into other genres. Like, one of, probably the climax of the... Uh, of the whole game is like this really synth driven, like electronica that is like beautiful, like that, that ending or, or not ending, but like the song that's in the climax is just like, I, I love it. I, I think it's wonderful. Uh, but so the plot is very, uh, it, so one of the things I have to bring, uh, some criticism towards is like, the storytelling is kind of obtuse and that I feel like that could turn a lot of people off. Like this game really, really demands you paying attention to it and thinking about it. And it's because the plot is kind of told in a very, um, abstract way. Like, so you begin the game and you're a, uh, a guy who's selling watches on the street, but you're a detective and you are, tasked with solving the mystery of this uh, um, uh, jazz lounge singer uh, who is being murdered by her saxophonist. Um, And the investigations kind of take place across the timeline of the universe, which is weird thing to say from the point of the big bang all the way up through modern day. And I don't really know how to explain how that works. It just does. Like I, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the story is obtuse and like you really have to grapple with the themes of it because uh, there's like all, I don't think that there's a single line of spoken dialogue until about the third hour, maybe even like, well, yeah, about the third hour and the game's only four hours long. So, like, there's no spoken dialogue. Um, But it really... So, really, the game deals with creation out of chaos in a lot of these sequences. So, like, jazz, for instance, is is a big thing. And, like, the main narrative crux is the Big Bang itself. So, like, when you get into puzzles and shit like that, like, at the... I think it's like the very first level that you go in, you're planting seeds and like, that's, that's the whole first level. And then the second one is like, you're taking these sort of like, uh, I guess, I guess molecules, I guess would be the best way to describe it. And you're building them. And then those kind of like form and, and go on to do extra things. Like, it's very abstract, but it's ab- about the creation that comes from chaos. But really, I think the overarching thing from this game that at least it's what I took out of it is the game is about understanding. It's really about finding. It's about searching and trying to find 
uh, purpose. I think like it, obviously it's a mystery. It's, it's, it, inspired by noir stories, you know, the Maltese Falcon, stuff like that. But it's about trying to find answers and it's about humanities trying to find answers. And it's like all of the puzzles kind of tie into that, which I think is really cool because you're trying to figure out, you know, how does this puzzle work or whatever. But um, it's really interesting, man. I really like this game. I think I, I, I either really like it or I really fucking hate it. I, I can't tell. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm torn. But uh, the thing, so the other criticism that I'll, I'll definitely level against it is that it has some glitches that are like utterly game breaking. Like there was twice or actually three times, I think, where I was in the middle of, of, a level and I was trying to figure out the puzzle and I could not fucking do it. And I, so I, I looked it up online and I was like, that's weird because I literally tried that. You know, why is it not working? And it was for whatever reason, the game was just glitched and I couldn't do it. So I had to fucking start that entire level over because there's not like a checkpoint system. So I would have to play that level through again in order to, to get back and then I it was a simple ass solution to a puzzle and I and I fixed it. And that happened to me three different times. Like uh super fucking annoying. Um but it's really interesting. I don't I I seriously don't know if I've ever played anything like this. Like from the art style to the music to the to the like I said, really obtuse storytelling. I don't know if I've ever played anything like this. Um it's only four hours long, so I definitely feel like if you want to experience something unique, this is 100% worth it. Uh, because at the very least, you get to look at something that's really fucking pretty for four hours. But. Oh, yeah. I like the art style. It's good. It's, it's a good art style. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I've had too many of those moments. Uh, Austin, hurry the fuck up and tell us about Fire Emblem. It's almost time. Oh, 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 it's me that has to hurry the fuck up. Okay. Yep, you All had right. three yeah, games right. this week. I only had two. Hurry the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my runtime was way shorter than yours. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, f- uh, Fire Emblem, Shadow, Dragon, Light, Sword, Thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, is it all one game? Yeah, it is. Um. This game is really fucking old. Uh, this game came out in 1990 on the uh, Famicom. And back in December, it was released digitally on the Switch for a very limited time. It is no longer available. If you haven't picked it up, that really sucks. Um, sucks for then you. Again, then again, maybe it doesn't because I'm I'm not... I don't want to say that I'm not enjoying it because then I'll feel like a fucking idiot because I paid $100 for it. So I am enjoying it. Um, it's just very hard to play. Uh, it, it's very clunky. It's very dated. Um, granted, Nintendo did give us some quality of life improvements. You can now like suspend a, suspend a battle and kind of come back and save and turn it off and come back. Whereas in the original, you could not do that. And Fire Emblem is notorious for having engagements that are way too fucking long. 
Um, but this, I mean, this game is a trendsetter. Um, it, you know, it's the first game of the Fire Emblem franchise. It was never released over here until now. Um, uh, a, a lot of people, uh, credit the success of, uh, uh, strategy of like a uh, turn-based strategy games. They, they credit this game for, you know, really making that a popular genre. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I can't say that I see how, but, uh. I'm going to finish it because I've heard it's not incredibly long because, you know, it, it was on the Famicom. It is super old. Uh, games aren't as short as they used to be anymore. Well, sometimes. Um, but uh, it, it's interesting for sure. It's certainly something. But it's it's cool, I guess. Um, but, I mean, I, I can't justify telling somebody to go buy the 30th anniversary because, uh, you know, collector's bundle, because that's the only way you can get it now. Um, I got scalped when I bought mine. I just really fucking wanted it, and now I have it. So whether I finish the game or not, I'm still glad that I bought it. Well, there you go. Oh. Is that quick enough for you? No. you can Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, let's get to our picks of the week so we can get out of here. Uh, mine is... Uh, I think it was three weeks ago. Uh, Might have been four. Um, I My pick of the week was the new single by Islands. Well, there's another one. Uh, album comes out in June. You guys need to listen to this song. It's called Set the Fairlight. Um, so basically this is a sort of... Uh, uh, I don't want to say... I don't want to say My Bloody Valentine-esque uh song but it is a it it sounds a lot it reminds me a lot of stuff like surfer blood and my bloody valentine it's just a wall of sound sort of composition Mm -hmm. so it's like layers and layers and layers and layers of instruments and music it has a really really catchy melody on the um uh i i want to say the refrain but it might be the chorus. I don't know. Uh, but it's really catchy and it has a lot of melodies that just like, I, I said this on the last one, but like incredibly recognizable islands type melodies. Like y- you hear this and I immediately, I'm like, Oh, this could be an Island song sort of thing. And then of course, you know, Nick Thorburn's back with his just wonderful, wonderful voice. Great song. I love it. Uh, can't wait for the album. Check it out. I liked uh, We Like to Fuck With The Lights On, so... That is I'll definitely like the name of that song. Yep. Yes, it is. You nailed it. <laughs> on my playlist. <laughs> uh, what's Strange Familia, Dylan? Why do I have to go for a second? Um, um, because we need to give Austin so, a little bit of time to stop fuming because I told him to hurry up. All right, so Skate the Infinity is that? Hey, fuck you. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Strange Familia, Love Slash Drugs. It's just, it's just another song. Mm. Um, so Strange Familia is the band. Love Slash Drugs is the song. And it's just, it's it's really good. It's You'll notice a trend with all the songs <laughs> I, uh, that I put across it. It's like a dark undertone almost. So this one's about just dealing with the your issues by not dealing with your issues mm. type of thing. Um, it's just really good. I mean, I'm not gonna speak heavily about it. Go listen to the song; you'll like it. You'll you'll pick up your meanings. It's it's lighthearted but dark, mm. and that's just where I like it. Well, fair enough. Austin, Skate the Infinity. What is that? Yeah. Um, 
I started to talk about it last week because I fucked up what my pick of the weeks were. Mm. Or, um, but uh, Skate the Infinity is a new anime for the spring 2021 season. Uh, it is a skateboard anime. Um, I don't like sport animes. I think they're fucking dumb. Um, but I enjoy this one. Um, I think it's really cute. I think it's really wholesome. Uh, basically, the whole plot is you got the main character. I think his name is Rang. I think his name is like Ranky or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to skateboard. He knows how to, he knows how to do all the basic shit, and he actually builds his own skateboards. He works in like a skateboard shop. And there is like in this like world, there is a whole like underground like skate like skate scene where like only the best of the best, quote unquote, are allowed to um, are allowed to compete. And he really wants to, but he's not good enough. He gets trashed by all the other racers. And then a new kid comes to town. His name is Longa. And uh, turns out this kid, this kid Longa was a uh, like a up and rising uh, snowboarder. Uh, when he moved from America and picks up a skateboard, has like some weird hidden talent for it. And they end up forming this kind of relationship where Longa does all the skating and all the cool tricks and Renke just builds and modifies his boards and stuff for him. Um, and the show is just so fucking cute, man. It's just so fucking cute and wholesome. And I, and I love it. Uh, they haven't con- it hasn't been confirmed specifically in the show but apparently the show is intended to be a homosexual romance. Mm. And I fucking love that because you don't see a lot of anime like that. Mm-hmm. Because um how do I say this? Uh yeah, like LGBTQIA+ is not like it's not as much of a thing in Japan as it is in the rest of the world. Mm. If that makes sense. So there's not really a lot of animes that give it the recognition uh, or the representation is a better word Mm. uh, that it deserves. And I think it's really cool that this really cute anime came out and is doing that. Um, Like I said, it's not confirmed. It's a gay romance. But I do know that the English voice actors were specific for the two main characters were specifically told to um, act gay. Mm. (laughs) Well. Which I think, which I think is, which I think is fucking hilarious because the two the two voice actors in the English dub are actually two gay men. Mm. So I, I hey, be yourselves when you're doing. Yeah, these literally, things. they were like they were like literally just you know like act gay, like be yourself. You don't have to say act gay. Well, I, I, that's what they said. I'm just repeating what they said. Oh my god. Okay. But um, super cute. Go check it out. Super cool. All right. Act gay, folks. As always, you can find us on social media for all things Culture Bob Hunting Pixels and the Culture Bob family of content. You can find Hunting Pixels on Twitter at Pixels Hunting and on Instagram at Hunting underscore Pixels CB. You can find me on Twitter at the Bebop Man 182 on Instagram at Bebop Man 182 and on Twitch at the underscore Bebop Man. You can find Dylan on Twitter at OMDizzy, on Instagram at OMDizzyTV, and on Twitch, question mark, at OMDizzy. Austin, you can find on Twitter at Big Papa Plays, on Instagram at Big Papa Stevens underscore, or Big Papa Plays, on Twitch at Big Papa Plays, and he's now on TikTok at Big Papa Plays. That's it. We did it. Yep, that's it. We managed we to get through. through the show without killing one another. 
<sighs> might want to. Stay tuned for next week. We might kill each other then. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Looking forward to it. We are Same. blowing this TOS out of the water. And that's how we... Dolphin end. fucking lemon asses, tentacle fucking... Pretty sure there was some <laughs> minor shit in there somewhere. Oh, nope. I don't, okay, <laughs> nope. now you're crossing nope. a line. I'm going to go stick lemons All up right. my ass now. Bye, everybody.